0: we're doing it okay take three we're here at SM bikes here with mr paul roberts Grotbags, bags how are you doing paul
1: i'm really good Stuck to be here
0: and today's guest super excited chris Moller. chris thanks for doing this uh glad to be here all right pressure's already on because so i've been trying to set up the recording for the last 10 <laughs> minutes and chris has given me pressure and things 15, to do 15 minutes it's got a yeah, gym okay. it's got a gym session soon <laughs> yeah i gotta training
1: get, i gotta get to the squat rack <laughs> <laughs> all right paul get us going yeah it's gonna be right there's a lot to cover so let's, lean in a little bit there's a lot to cover let's try and go chronologically let's uh how old were you when you started riding bmx and what was your first you know where did you see bmx first
2: well i mean i was riding bmx from the time i was probably six uh my older brother had a bmx bike there was a Ton of BMX riding going on where we lived in Hawaiian Gardens and Garden Grove. so what year are we talking about? How we're about talking seventies. Okay, so you were- mid. I was born in seventy, so by you know seventy five, seventy six, I'm out riding the jumps with the, all the neighborhood kids. Nice, uh, but I was more of a because of my dad's interest. I was more of a surfer and a skateboarder, and we rode dirt bikes and did more than more of that than we did BMX. Uh, but at some point, probably, I think maybe I was ten or eleven was riding around on my my brother's BMX bike. He had a webco and I got hit by a car. And when I got hit by the car, it was a hit and run. The guy took off, he came back later, he felt bad and and my parents said, Hey, you know, kid got a concussion, but he's you know, basically fine. Buy him a new bike and everything'll be fine. So we went to the local bike shop and we bought the nicest bike we possibly could, which was a race incorporated, completely decked out with you know, whatever you could get at the time. And now that I had that badass bike um then we headed out to the track and i think i was you know i was 12 at that time i did my first race and that's how i got into it i mean from the first day that i raced i was you know hooked on on bmx for sure
1: i mean that that first time at the track was it was it then okay from that point onwards it's not a question as to what do i really want to do what do i enjoy doing was that you know was that race experience was that
2: oh yeah i mean i had been Skateboarding at the Big O skate park, which was directly across the street from the tr- front, uh, on the other side of the freeway from the track, um, and that was pretty cool. And we'd been skating a lot of different parks in Southern California um, in the late '70s, early '80s. Uh, but the scene at Orange in 1982 was pretty unbelievable. I mean, we went out probably on a Sunday afternoon, and there's semis in every class, or probably 80 motos.
0: Who's some of the guys you're racing at, at the start, Chris?
2: Well right right in the early days when I was 12 I actually got in some pretty heated battles with girls believe it <laughs>
3: that will
1: happen, Yeah, man.
2: Yeah, at 12 I mean, there, yeah. were, there were some of the factory sponsored girls, Sue Genrich who rode for uh, Bandito. Um I actually was you know battling with girls. Yeah. At 12, 12 beginner was, you know, I how mean, I started.
1: That that's an extension of it you know, orange locals orange locals you know, it's within BMX at that time were considered legendary. Yeah. It's uh any kid that came from there that turned up at the worlds was probably gonna win.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean everybody there was fast. I mean, from twelve when I started, uh I you know, pretty quickly moved through it was beginner and then novice and then you turned expert and that all happened by the time I was Just barely thirteen, probably. So then I got dumped into thirteen expert out at Orange, three nights a week. (laughs) And this, you know, we're talking about, you know, all the like the the fastest guys you could even imagine. You know, Bubba Hayes and um, Eric Carter, uh, you name it, Billy Griggs. um, They're all. I mean, everybody in Orange was just was just super fast.
1: Yeah, and because it was, you know, as well as there being all the top flight experts, there's always been top pros that have always gone it seemed to me that they were always there at gate practice. Even if there wasn't a pro race, there would always be top double A's there.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. And then racing around here at that time, we had probably 10 tracks within <laughs> an hour's drive. And we had a couple of really good NBL tracks. You know, it, uh, you know, we had all the tracks in LA. We had tracks in the Valley. We had tracks in San Bernardino, Riverside, uh, San Diego. There were tracks, Tons of tracks within an hour's drive, so it, there were points of time where we were racing every night of the week, wow. and sometimes two, three times on a Saturday or Sunday. You know, we'd go to, we'd go to Irvine, and then we'd go to Snipes, and then we'd go to Orange all in one day. And somebody, you know, somebody's parents would be running to the next track from this race to that race to sign everybody up for the next race, and you'd wrap up your That's your main, and then go to the next track and race three different races on one on one Sunday.
0: Who was the uh, king of Orange back then? When you, like, who was your first, you know, like idol I mean, first
2: I, first? I would say the the fastest guy at Orange back back then in the early eighties, it it had to, it probably was Billy Griggs. Right. I mean, he's about two years older than me. Yeah. Um, and he was just, you know, super fast. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah, there were a lot of fast local pros out then too, guys that were out every night, guys like Dave Lee or um, uh, Ed Hicks. I mean, guys that you maybe ne- never even heard of now, but um, they were, that were super fast. But, I mean, everybody out there was fast, from from 12 expert to pro. I mean, there were times at Orange where kids that were 13 could beat some of the top pros. It's, it's funny you mentioned the top pros coming to Orange. It actually was... It actually wasn't like that. A lot of the top pros would wouldn't even go near Orange because of the amateurs. Smoked. Yeah, they'd yeah. Get beat by a fourteen-year-old, and it you know. I mean, even when, when we came, it was Pete like that. Yeah. Pete Longcaravich as a kid at Orange, super fast.
0: Yeah. When we came here, I mean, we were we were pros by the time we got here in the nineties. But the belt book of Barry, we couldn't beat him. Mm-hmm. There was Cuz Taylor,
2: So many fast By that dudes. point, nobody
1: yeah. could beat Buckle or Orange. Yeah. yeah. would come there and get. Leave it because yeah. he couldn't be. him.
2: But Lopes, when he was a kid, was one of the one of yeah. the kids that oh, would be yeah. the pros right. in practice. And this is the old orange, the original orange, the rich long orange that was seven hundred feet. It was a U and a U. It was really short.
0: Yeah. So but same always, same place, right? Obviously, Chapman. Same
2: exact location. It's always been since it was you know converted from a dump, in, I think seventy seven is when they first made the track. But it was a U and a U, and it was seven hundred feet. It was super short and the gate the gate was everything and then from there it was all it, the whole track was nonstop you know momentum you never slowed down there it, it was just basically into a big turn another turn a last turn and then it was over maybe 20 25 seconds and you never you never slowed down so it was really all about the gate and then that was that was pretty much it and then you weren't touching any of these kids so
1: and so alright so you went you went in that first that first year you got to expert when, when did you start going and actually traveling and going to other nationals
2: well in that year in 82 I actually stumbled on a kid in my neighborhood in Huntington Beach at the local jumps that we rode and it turned out he was the son of Rich Long who owned GT oh wow so it was Jeff Long right and this is all in the 30 year book it's called a long story right uh, <laughs> because it's the Long family and that's really how I got into this business yeah. was with the Long family uh so I met Jeff Long and then he said hey you know you know my dad has a bike company blah 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 we went over to the house that first day and you know Rob Fade I think was over there Nelson Chanity was over there (laughs) you know all these top GT sponsored guys were at the house um, downtown Huntington Beach and a couple weeks later you know they they said hey we're going to this race out in um, LA do you want to go with us and I jumped in the car and Went up to Griffith Park with them and, and watched the ESPN uh, Pro Series race. You know, I didn't even bring a biker and I just went with yeah, them yeah. to go watch a national. So that's the first national I ever saw was the was uh, ESPN Pro, 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 Pro series. series. The Drenny road Cup thing? I don't know if it was rain. It might have been Rennie. I think Greg Hill won. Is it, um, was, it was it the, the long, the long track it was it was in the covered you know horse arena and I think you know Bob Madrano fell in the water. I think Greg. Hill oh, okay, had, Burbank. I think Greg Hill might have had his. I think it was a, a baby. Had yeah, was, that, that was, that's a a was actually
0: yeah. even in BMX action bike. Yeah, that was. So would have uh, been eighty two, probably. Right. Yeah. yeah. Had
1: he just gone GHP? Or yes. Just
0: go GT. No, it was GHP there because that's where he won the overall he had his son right? the same night, right? Yeah. yeah the one So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. the
2: GT team that I pitted with when I. Was there was uh, Leon Williams, his sister Yolanda Williams, JG Garanzik was on the team from uh, Washington. Yeah, um, who else was on the team at that time? Jeff pro- Schofield. Jeff Schofield was probably on the team. Yeah, a Brita dude. Maybe. Danny Nelson. Yeah, but the, the guys I re- I really remember JG Garanczyk, um and there was also a um, Pete Zablotny, okay, Canadian, a Canadian, Canadian yeah, yeah, guy yeah.
0: was on the team at that time. He was on uh, Norco as well. He was he, later yeah, later yeah. on he was on Norco. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, that, I mean that that's you know that's that's hard to explain. Like you meet a local kid at the trails and it's like, yeah. hey, my dad owns a bike company, and it yeah. just happens to be that. It was bike crazy. Yeah,
2: no, it was crazy, and not not too long after that. I mean, I was going over to his house. Doing uh, part-time work, making a little extra money, one, one funny story. Um, I went over to Rich Long's house, and he set me up with some number plates, and he, he said, "Hey, bag the number plates tonight, and we'll figure out you know a decent price, you know per piece." So that first night, I remember I went really slow. And I bagged these plates super slow.
3: <laughs> and then he figured out how much he was going to pay
2: me. It was 25 cents a plate or something. And then when he did the math after the first night, I remember he recalculated it you know, a few different times. Rich recalculated it yeah. a few different times. And then he, he just realized... Oh, no, it was the second night, because the first night he came up with the, the rate, and then the second time I came back, so many- I made so much yeah, money, and then the second <laughs> night he recalculated and yeah. said, oh, yeah, no, this is not going to work. And then he, he probably- changed, changed the rate, he and then probably- I kind of ended up screwing myself, because I went so fast. The second night, I should have.
1: Yeah, medium.
2: I should have yeah. gone medium. I mean,
1: <laughs> he probably was, no. He probably respected that from the businessman's yeah. point of view. He realized I, oh, I gave you that opportunity at the yeah. beginning. I obviously know. What I you're
2: think he knew me. at that point that I was, for a twelve-year-old, I was super crafty, and yeah. he's going to have to keep his eye on me. But he was super cool. I mean, he would bring, he would bring on a Wednesday night or a Friday night when Orange ran, he would come home with bike. He would bring bikes from the factory from GT Complete Bikes. Because you know my bike was kind of you know torn up at that point, um, he would bring us brand new bikes. He'd bring us gear, and we'd pile in his car and we'd drive to Orange. And
0: so you were decked out in GT gear oh, and stuff, I was completely decked. Because I never seen any pictures. Even, oh yeah I, yeah, had yeah, 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 I have yeah. pictures of it the the full That's face helmet, the right. full jersey,
2: right. you know the whole the whole kit. Um, and that went on for for a little bit uh, with him taking us to the track and bringing us bikes and gear and the whole thing, and then eventually. He introduced me to Chuck Robinson, who had just recently started working out of GT's offices. Right. Bought, right, yeah. That he, point. he, they didn't buy Robinson. They were just friends from because yep. they'd been involved in the sport since the early days. So Chuck came in and he kind of he kind of let me start working with Chuck right. um, okay. on a regular basis. By this time, I'm probably 14. Now I'm going into the GT offices after school on a regular basis and working for Chuck. And he would just pay me in in parts. Um, but Chuck really started taking me all over the place. So he was taking me to Devonshire Downs, Ascot. He was more of an NBL guy than an ABA guy. So, you know, and he had a great team of riders. He, he brought up Gary Ellis at this this time, Scott Clark, uh, Travis Chiprez, Richard Fleming. I mean, he was known for cultivating mm-hmm. the fastest guys. Mm-hmm. And from all over too, other states, other countries, you name it. And he would cultivate them, and then he would usually do a deal with somebody, and they would they would leave. I mean, he never held on to these guys forever,
1: like a up rather. Like right? Yeah, and
2: I I don't know if he there might have been you know something going on there he was making like, it yeah making it worth, it, worth, his, worth right. his while to do it. So getting brought in under his wing was un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't didn't Fuzzy do his spot on Robinson Run? Right? Yeah, the but that was, Williams, was that, that was later. That was much later. That was that was more of the GT
1: that was full well, blown GT yeah. Robinson. When, when I was there, it was more yeah. of still Chuck. Yes, yeah, so, I mean this is and this is we're still back in eighty four. Eighty four. So you know, in, and in, in England, Robinson had a very big presence. They had a really, they had a super good distributor. Mm-hmm. They had a killer team. Dylan, Dylan Clayton did his. You know, his first couple of years on Robinson, that was the first thing. He was it was like. Alan
0: Woods, yeah, yeah. yeah I was did a podcast Woody. with him, yeah.
1: So, I mean, at this point, you're now starting to go to nationals, but business-wise and BMX company-wise, you're revolving in circles with super influential, super smart, super successful pioneers
3: yeah. of no, BMX it, at that it, point.
2: Well, my my role at Robinson was, you know, I would be on the phone, um, talking to shops, you know, stickering frames, doing anything that needed to be done while Chuck went to the bank or Chuck went to go meet with, you know, somebody or do whatever he was doing. But when the riders would come in, <clears throat> you know, I remember specifically Travis Chiprez coming in and, you know, I'd have to re-sticker his bike. <laughs> they would go to lunch, you know. Right. They would go to lunch and yeah. Chuck would say, hey, you know. Or Richard Fleming. They, they were like a couple of top riders on the team. Yeah. That. And Scott Clark. Scott Clark was still... He was just kind of right. phasing out a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he came to England for the end of his career. But yeah. these
2: guys would come in, and then Chuck would say, Okay, Chris, you know, clean your bike, peel stickers <laughs> off, resticker sticker their bike, you know, and we'll be back from lunch. So that's the kind of stuff I was doing. Right. But, you know, I'm 14. I didn't care. Yeah, I'm yeah. working for parts. Um, mm. But I hadn't really... None of the stuff that that led to S and M had really happened yet at that time. Were
0: you even thinking about it, or no. not? Not even there. No, I was. Um, I was in ninth grade. You
2: know, I was fourteen, and uh, but it was all about to happen because it was at our local trails at this time when I was on the Robinson support team. You know, he had this whole hierarchy of kids, yeah. and you had to move up from sure. the national team to the support team to right co factory team and eventually you know you might wind up on the factory team mm-hmm. um, but it was at this time at our trails that BMX action came and did the local thrash photo shoot and that was the first time I ever showed up in the magazine and I'm in
0: Robinson gear right Anna I do Robinson, think I do think I remember right. that yeah, now so, yeah
1: yeah I mean the re- so the rest of the rest of the world at this point uh, and you know it would obviously happen here and then seep out slowly to everywhere else in the world but this is where the world gets their first you know view of you um and (laughs) you know realistically at that point bmx action is the magazine
3: yeah it was, it was huge
1: and for a large period of time realistically there were other magazines but that was the magazine yeah and the test dudes you know had been legendary until that point i mean did you like you said they turned up at the local trails was that a thing of like oh i'm just riding a, well
2: you know, what what happened was and all this stuff is real fresh in my mind now because we have been working on the book for almost a year uh the snm book so all these stories have come in from all the people involved and you know they're all really clear yeah. to me right now but uh what happened was gork found out about our trails and he wanted to come do a test there so he brought Kirk Crisco or R.L. Osborne or one of the current guys out to the track, but it was muddy and they weren't able to do much. They did a berm shot or something. This is right when Gork got hired to, to be the editor of BMX Action. Um, so he got contacted Mike Smith, who was my friend, and he was really in charge of the trails. And he contacted him and said, hey, we want to come out and do you know, a local thrashing article. So they'd already done a test there. But, you know, it was muddy. So then they they came out to do the local thrashing article. They asked Mike to bring bring his crew. His crew consisted of me. It was just me and him. That was it. <laughs> we He's were the one. luckiest <laughs> crew. We were called the luckiest <laughs> crew. Yeah. Yeah. I, I but he, I think there were more kids, but uh, Mike was strategic. He didn't want to bring... That's smart, yeah. He didn't want to bring so many kids yeah. that he yeah. wouldn't get photos right. in the magazine because yeah. it was like, like... Oh, yes. It was everybody's dream to be in the Of course. Of course.
1: So when they showed up... Mike's the one who had the glasses, right? He had the glasses. Right. Okay, I remember the article. And I still have his... Robinson hanging up in my office
2: in here because we were both the baby blue ones. Yeah, we were yeah, both Robinson, you know, yeah. guys at the time.
1: I, re- I remember the article, and that would that would have been, uh, you know, like I'm saying, with it being amazing for you because it's the big magazine. The rest of the world saw that. I mean, that that BMX action was coming to England and Europe, and people knew about those guys. People knew about Chris Ho, Buff, RL. Like they were, they were the BMX action test force. Yeah. So I mean. So you, they did the article on you there. At what point was it then like they showed some you know, connection to you? So where-
2: what happened was they had a smaller guy that was a test rider at BMX Action. His name was Robert Emrick, and he actually rode for Robinson at the time, too. He was a, a younger guy. He was kind of their smaller test rider, but yep. he wasn't really doing any kind of tricks. So the photos weren't. He was a great racer, but he wasn't doing any kind of you know, tricks. Yep. Um, so Kurt Crisco became kind of their trick guy. Captain Kirk. Captain yeah. Kirk became yep. kind of their trick guy, um, but Captain Kirk got hurt or something. O- RL oh, got
1: hurt. RL and Buff would have been. They would have been they starting were just, to start, phase Buff, out. Buff was gone, and RL had gone fully freestyle.
2: RL was starting to phase out a little bit. Okay. Um, so Robert Emrick was kind of a race only guy. Gork brought new life to BMX action. He wanted to. to, yeah. to he knew racing was on a big, big downward slide. And freestyle was just blowing up. This is 84. This is like the pro performer from GT, Eddie Fiola, the world tour. Freestyle was huge in 84. And BMX racing was just on a big slide. So Gork came in. He wanted to revitalize the race scene. He wanted to do these bike tests with, you know, jumps and whatever. So they had just brought on Dave Collinan at this time. Uh, But I guess Dave you know Gort tells the story in the book it dave just drove them all bananas <laughs> and he, yeah. he
1: he was good as well because those. he was
2: those, good he was doing a lot of he was you know a lot was great of, great there's some bodies. great shots of yeah. cully yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The,
1: cru- the cruiser thing where it was like every time rl said no nope, Cali broke it before i got it yeah. and like as a kid reading that i'm just like yeah yeah
2: well cullinan was like a motocross kid he was a fast racer but he also just dude he was right he he would yeah he would let it hang out on, on the jumps so that was great for photos, but he drove everyone crazy. So they kind of wanted to—they kind of wanted to swap him out. And after they did the Lucky's crew local thrashing, you know, I had a good day and I was doing a bunch of stuff I, you know, didn't normally do actually. Um, and he called Mike back later and said, "Hey, how do we get a hold of that your buddy?" And they, he said, "Well, come out to the track on a Wednesday night or whatever." So Gork came out to the track with his crew from freestyling too. I think Lou. Maybe uh, Andy Jenkins, wow. those guys all came out to Orange. And the funny thing is, when I came out to Orange, I had just T boned some guy oh, over, the, <laughs> uh, over the third term. I don't remember. I think it was Woody Reeves. You guys remember Woody Reeves? I remember the name. It, it was, was about my age ish, I think. Yeah. yeah, it was a friend of Robert Swicks. Right. So I T boned this guy. I think it was Woody. <laughs> He's like dangling over the chain link <laughs> fence, you know the whole thing. I'm getting, I'm getting DQ'd. There might have been a fight. I think right. There was a
0: fight. <laughs> we're trying to
2: fight in the, right. in the rocks. It's
0: just starting. But you're trying to
2: fight in the rocks, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I used to get in fights out there all the time, and you, it was hard to fight because you were, on, you, know, you were on these little rocks, right? You know, yeah. It was like a hockey fight. Right. You know, grab a jersey, <laughs> yeah. and so anyway, they show up. I'm being kicked out completely, and that was the first time that you know they came out and said, "Hey, do you want to be?" our new test rider. And I said, well,
3: yeah, <laughs> <of course." laughs>
2: and then it started right away. I mean, I think the next week I was testing bikes and then I was testing bikes every couple of weeks. And over the next couple of years, I mean, it was unbelievable.
0: So were you getting you know? paid for yeah, that? Yeah, I
2: was oh? getting paid. Wow. It started, I think I was getting 50 bucks a test. Wow. And then I started kind of, you know, Hey, I'm, did you, did I'm, you, really kind of good at this. Out here. Yeah. Yeah. 75. Right. I don't know where it went, but I know I kept, I did you, pushing, reali- did you realize at
1: that point, especially, you know, because you've always been a, you've always been a, a rider as well as a racer. You've always rode your bike. I mean, racing was the only real thing back then, but you've always been a, you've always been a rider. Did you think then when you were going to those photo shoots you were like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to make this good. Like I'm, I'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna. Yeah, well, the
2: thing was, I just, shoot. I just started doing stuff that I'd never really done before, to be honest. Um, and it just, and it was working. It, you know, I was like landing the stuff, I was pulling off, I was, I was just kind of, just pushing myself because Wendy was a photographer. She was, you know, super good. You knew that her photos were going to be good. So anything you did, mm. she was going to catch it. It wasn't like you were going to, you know, do something <coughs> really hairy and then she was going to miss the shot. Right. Because a lot of photographers. Um, yeah. We're like that. Uh, but like she that was like, anymore. it wasn't as easy back then because you had to have the right film, you had to have the right setting, the right lens. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Everything. like it is now with the autofocus and the oh, digital and camera. And right. You don't
1: yeah. know what it is. You don't like know. You,
2: sometimes you wouldn't know for a month. That's a lot of money, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't know for a month and she'd burn through, you know, 50 films, rolls of film. Films, but films. what did, what did blow me away back then was mm. you would do something really good, say you'd do like a tuck no-hander, you know, And she would say, oh, yeah, it looks great. Let's do, you know, 30 more. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) this Yeah, 20 more, 10 more. She might start with 10 more, and then it was another 10 more. Yeah. It was another 10 more. Right. And then, you know, pretty quickly it it dawned on me, like, wow, this is. A lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it was good because by the end of the day, you had that. Whatever you were doing, it was dialed.
0: Yeah, yeah, Even at the beginning of the day, you have never
2: done it before. Right. And you just kind of lied and said that you could do it right yeah, yeah, yeah. and then oh, yeah. the first one was a little weird yes then you go oh yeah that was you know that one was weird let me let me get this one right you got 30 more chances yeah
0: by the end of the day you got it done. by the
2: end of the day you got it it's a done deal I and mean, then, I'm, I'm and then bit... the photo comes out good oh. and then that that first year i mean i wound up on four covers of bmx action now back then
0: would people like get autographs and like recognize you and how did they, you know the yeah
1: because that was time would, i mean they, you know Like, like, people forget with, with paper magazines and that, because they're not a thing anymore. But BMX Action as well was a beautiful product. And, you know, her make, Wendy making you do that 30 times, and her being the photographer these years, when those magazines came out, they were rad. Like I'm yeah, sure there they were, were good. I'm sure you didn't look at him like, oh, I don't. Oh, that. I'm sure you would. That's what at them. I mean.
2: Every time you went out with her, you knew it was going to be good. So you you never hesitated, you know. And I think a lot right. of kids were real into it, but a lot of the older, more established racers. You had freestylers, you had racers, and freestylers were riding the upland skate park, or they were riding flatland, you know, and they were doing their thing. That contest series, AFA, the whole thing. The racers were, you know, you know, doing their thing. The nationals. <laughs> I was kind of. I wasn't either. I was the kind above, of in yeah, the middle. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I know the racers are kind of say like, "Oh, why, why is this kid getting all these covers?" Right. You know, yeah. he barely made the main at you know mm-hmm. the race last week, right? Or whatever. You know, in fifteen X or whatever it was. Well, you know, so they got a little. Mm-hmm. I think some of them got a little right, t- irk, irked by it. To right. we no, get it. But, You know, for me, by the time but. In, the S thing came around at the same time through, you know, my friends at Orange and everybody I'd met at GT and the test riding I was doing with BMX Action and trying all these different bikes. It all, all of this just turned into S and M bikes because it made perfect sense. Yeah, I'm riding all these bikes that are falling apart. Right. Some yeah, some of them were good, but we were mainly testing complete bikes. So complete bikes weren't that weren't nice. that great. You know, they 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 usually fell apart. They are funky geometry, weird brands. There'd
1: be some weird component. All
2: the really good there. stuff was frame and forks. Mm-hmm. We were testing those. Mm-hmm. We were testing completes. So I rode pretty much the worst bikes
1: before, before we moved, before, imaginable. Before so we, I knew what
0: not to make. Yeah, and I understand. Yeah.
1: Before we move into S&M and, and, and this influence on it, there must have been a point where you went from being, uh, there's the there's that kid who works at, at Robinson to... Dude, he was on the cover of Bearing's Action.
2: Well, what happens is, and I'm you know, i sure everybody that's gotten a little bit of coverage, you know, riding experienced a similar thing, but what happens is you start getting the coverage, you start getting a little notoriety, and then you just start getting this extra confidence from yeah. doing that, and then everything just starts going better. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe, like, I was actually going faster at the races because now I felt like, oh, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You
2: know, and so like, the- people are looking at me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to kind of... <laughs> I'm gonna try and do, s- do something out here, so I don't look like an on idiot, on right? You know, they're because they're already sending letters in, or maybe talking to Gork saying, "Why is that kid getting on the cover?" You know, mm-hmm. he, he got fifth in the semi, so now all of a sudden, I'm starting to mm. kind of trying to step up my race. Yeah. And you're and game still focusing.
1: You're really focusing on racing at this point, still aren't
2: you? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, what what helped me at that time, being 15, 16 especially right before I turned pro in racing. I also wrestled in high school. And I wrestled in high school, I think, because I got in a lot of scraps at school and fought a lot. And I think somebody said, hey, this kid is always fighting or whatever. Let's put him on the wrestling team so that he can get out whatever emotional issues obviously he's got, you know. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't a serious wrestler, but I was in the gym every day and I was running every day and I was, you know – Doing all this every day, I mean, and right. that just carried over to the track because now all of a sudden I'm just a total wingnut, yeah, knucklehead at the track. But I've been in the, I've been in the gym, right? I'm 14, 15, fifteen. I've been in the gym all day I And know, you used to ride, you used to ride to Orange. I used to ride to Orange on a regular basis We yeah. both bikes. With a cruiser next to me sometimes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <Classic>. <laughs> it's,
3: just,
2: it's just so bizarre. I, was, uh, yeah, I don't I mean, know that's... why, I, like how badly I wanted to race on a Friday night in the Both. cruiser class. I, right. I was going to ride 20 plus miles with one bike next to me. Like this. <laughs> yeah, I know. I
1: know.
2: Yeah, it's insane. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know, but I was just fired up. I, yeah, was, I just wanted to race the cruiser. I wanted to race the 20 inch. Right. Whatever. Racing. I didn't even know how I was going to get home. <laughs> I didn't have any money for entry fees. Yeah. I was just going to the track, and I was going to figure it out.
3: Yeah.
1: So, so did you? Had you started? Had you 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 came? I think you came to. Did you come to Bercy before? No, eighty eight. Or was it? Did you come to Bercy after? You were on by, by the time
2: that first trip to, to Paris. We'd already started SM. Yeah,
0: oh, yeah, and yeah. And the fact yeah. that I even
2: got on that trip was another really, really bizarre. That was bizarre. a superstar
0: double-A, yeah, yeah, well, gang was, that was there. It was there. a really bizarre yeah. deal because, yeah. uh, I mean,
2: yeah, fast forward a little bit to, you think that was 88? It was probably oh, it was my
0: first European superclass race, yeah, I race you. Okay, so yeah, it was yeah. 88.
2: Yeah. Uh, so what happened was Eddie Fiola was supposed to be going on that trip. And something happened to Eddie Field. Well, oh, maybe. Did you come?
0: In eight, how many times did you go to birthday Twice. I went twice. I got invited three times. I went twice. Oh, maybe you did go before '88 then, because '88 was I was 16. That's I raced you in superclass, but you might have come before that then.
2: Yeah, both times I went, I raced in pro, but I think maybe I went in '87. But maybe yeah. Anyway, uh, the Duke of Oakley was the coach, for the team, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Duker, yeah. right? You know, and that first crew was like. It, it was a little bit of a mishmash of a crew. I mean, it was Ron Walker. Oh, that was 87. Then were B.J. Gantt. Yeah, 87, yeah. yes. B.J. Gantt, yes.
0: Brian Lopes. You guys raised 16-plus. Oh, we did? It was just one big 16-plus class, yeah. So it was amateur? It was amateur, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah.
2: So, yeah, that was the first trip that I did. And <clears throat> Mike Miranda was somehow involved in it. And Eddie Fiola was supposed to be going. And then he didn't want to go or something at an extra spot. So they called me. And Mike wanted me to go, I think, because he thought I'd be doing some jumps or whatever. And, yeah, so I got on that first trip, and um, Dave Volker was on it. Mm-hmm. He, um, and then, and- yeah, then the next year I got invited. But I didn't even do that great at the race. I can't remember. Maybe I made the quarter or semi. Or- using my quarter. Yeah. Because yeah. didn't
0: that even when you had toe clips or whatever? Yeah, that was the next year. Yeah. Okay, 88 then.
2: Yeah. But what I learned on that trip, and I think Collie might have been on that first trip too. Anyway, all the American guys were pretty uh, – they're they're pretty hard to deal with right you know, yeah. oh we want to go to mcdonald's and oh my god what is this food it stinks and this this is you know this is this sucks right. and, but the whole time i mean i showed up with no money right nothing i showed up at the airport and just i don't even think i took my bike apart
3: i just put it on you know? right.
2: i didn't have any money or nothing so the whole time i loved everything because it was mm. all free mm. it was unreal mm. where they're taking us around on helicopter tours paying for all of our meals and these guys are bitching and moaning about everything. I didn't bitch and moan one single time. I would. They would say, "Oh, this is you know whatever. This is uh, S Cargo." I'd say, "Oh yeah, this, mm-hmm. is, this is awesome." Right. I right. "Oh my god, these are snails. This is disgusting." Right. So the next year, when they went to invite everybody back, I got invited back. Right. But I didn't do shit at the race. I don't mm-hmm. think. Right. But they were like, "Who was that kid?" Yes. Yeah, yeah. That liked everything. Yeah. Get him back. Right. That's what I think happened. And then all these other guys. Who are super fast? None of them got invited back. Right. It was just, a different crew the next time. Yeah. From totally eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the yeah. next year was Ellis like yeah. and King. and yes. Townsend. Yes. And, and Rick Palmer. And yeah. Rick Carter. And yeah. Like, it was a totally different crew. But then, then I'm on it. Right. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the odd kid. Yeah.
2: How did Moller squeeze
0: it? You
2: know? uh,
1: so because I ate the snail. Yeah. Just do it, kids. Eat the snails. It will yeah. open
0: doors. Don't say you. Europe sucks. Yeah.
2: Just eat the snails. I mean yeah. practice game starts and right. squat. But eat the snails. You'll, you'll so come back.
1: You, let's 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 not skip let's not skip a bit that's that's a couple of years after. So okay, so the S thing, like you said, you were breaking bikes that you were testing, you were testing those complete bikes and a lot of them were trash. Oh yeah so folding
2: up like beach chairs
1: are you now regular basis now are you now realizing that wait a minute i've been around this because i've just been scraping to get by and because of of rich long and chuck robinson i've been around this so wait a minute i have i'm you know and you know people forget that you were you you referenced it slightly earlier but you were a smart cocky kid you already had you know a high iq and an adult mentality when you still appeared to the outside world to be a young kid you know your ego would have told you at that point wait a minute i can do this so when when was that point where you're like man i do, well I a-
2: do according this. to mike smith a good friend mike smith um i was already talking about this in 86 early 86 i was trying to convince him to do something mm-hmm. he was getting ready to uh you know he really wanted to go to uh ucla for college um Everybody was doing something, you know. All, guys were starting to, you know, hang out with chicks and they were getting cars and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I wasn't doing any of that shit, you know. I wasn't, I didn't have a car. I didn't care about chicks. All I wanted to do was ride. And then I made up my mind that I was, you know, I wanted to make, well, I wanted to do something to make money so that I could go more places and ride more. So yeah. I was always trying to scheme something all the time. And it wasn't, you know, something grandiose like start a bike brand it was just like little teeny scams mm-hmm. all the time i mean ridiculous scams you know like calling the payphone and telling them i just put in 20 cents to make a call and <laughs> you know it, it ate my 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 coins and they'd mail you a rebate check right a 20-cent rebate show. Sounds like a lot of your tricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, going up to the uh, video games at the pizza place after the races and all the quarters are lined up on the top and right. the kids are getting ready to play and I'd create some giant distraction and I'd take all the
0: quarters. <laughs> I mean, that's where I was. Yeah, same you with know. this guy, yeah. I was trying to uh,
2: come up with any kind of scheme imaginable to make a couple of bucks, next entry fee or whatever. So I was just entrepreneurial you know, at, at heart. And I, I don't really know why. I just was. I was just trying to get some money to do something so i was you know taking dares at the track i'll jump the burn i'll jump off the berm you know but uh you know put let's get some money together you know? <laughs> yeah. so they would pass the hat right you know and get 20 30 bucks right moler's gonna jump the berm <laughs> i mean but yeah. that was a big yeah big jump. of course but 30 bucks you're probably yeah i'm over the fence yeah, yeah. at
1: that point
2: so that's Damn. what I was up to, you know, just trying to make a few bucks wherever I could. So when the when the bike thing first started, um it just was like a natural progression, you know. I was just always selling something. I was at the track constantly trying to sell anything I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. But I was always trying to sell it without letting the people that I got it from see that I was selling right. it. So yeah, really, yeah, yeah. It was always as soon as I started getting more well known for that it started becoming harder. I, I remember one, one time, Mike Miranda was like a big local hero around here. And he had one of the first Troy Lee painted helmets we'd ever seen. Troy Lee was, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know where Troy Lee came from. Motorcycles, maybe. But yeah, yeah. Mike Miranda is a super big motocross buff. He shows up with this Troy Lee helmet, Troy Lee painted helmet. I mean, it blew people's minds. I ended up getting it from him <laughs>
3: as a teenager.
2: Because I told men, man, you know, like, You're my favorite pro, and I really did want the helmet. I mean, it was it was like the Bell RT,
3: yeah, Yeah. such a
2: sweet helmet. I got it from them, and then someone offered me a bunch of money for it, (laughs) and I sold it. (gasps) Oh. And then that guy showed up at the track, oh. and then Mike saw that guy. Right, so it said Miranda. On right, it, right? <laughs> and then, no, he was he was not happy with me, but I mean that's how it was. I was I kind of did burn people all over the place, to, but it wasn't like I was trying to get a bunch of money to blow it on dumb shit. Right, all I was trying to do was gas money, plane tickets, mm-hmm. entry fees. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's do all I was do, trying do, to do. Do
1: you feel at that point? Uh, At 16, 15, 16, 17, it comes at a point for somebody that, unless you really, really love riding, or you're a factory dude and you're making and it's not costing you anything, it's hard at that point. It's hard at that point to be like, no, I just want to ride my bike. I want to keep riding my bike. Yeah. Because... The pressure of the outside world says, "Well, sorry, there isn't time for you. Ride your You need to get a job. You need to do this."
2: Well, in the racing, it was I was in a totally different place than everybody else that was my age that I was competing against because most of the guys started when they were five or six. I mean, you're talking about Danny Nelson, guys like that. He was younger mm-hmm. than me, but I mean, these guys started when they're five, six years old, Robert Mm -hmm. McPherson, they started as little teeny kids. Some of them had even like disappeared for a couple of years and then come back and they were only 17 Right, and they'd already disappeared for a few years and come back. Mm -hmm. Um, So to a lot of these guys, it was almost like a job. I mean, they were going, you know, it was the rental car scene and they were kind of, they kind of were born into it. Um, Um, I didn't even go to the races till I was 12, so. I didn't have parents there for the most part. I was I wanted to be there, mm-hmm. so just from the beginning in the race scene, I was just in a totally different place than a lot of the guys that I was competing against. I really was there to have a good time. I wanted to you know, do as good as I could, but I really was just trying to have a good time. And I was looking as much I was looking forward to riding with all the local kids after the races yeah. that day than I was just racing. Mm-hmm. You know? So I was just all about being on the bike morning, noon, and night. You know, the whole time, Friday through Sunday, and then just try and get to the
1: next one and do the whole thing again. <clears throat> so, all of a sudden, the ideas are there. You're starting to make little bits of money. Craig Scott,
2: yeah. Well, Greg was a local guy around here. He was actually uh, from Catalina Island, but he he moved or he used to come over to race quite a bit. And I ran into him one day at some local jumps that we had off the river trail over here, San Ann River Trail. And we just kinda hit it off right away. I mean, at first it was like a little bit of a competitive thing going on and he you know, he would he'd do a trick over a jump and then I'd do a trick and then we were kinda, you know, it was like a weird little you know, competition going on. But then we then we kind of met and then we became good friends and he was three years older than me probably, worked in a bike shop. And so I started bouncing my ideas off him, I guess, because I was probably talking about it all the time. My other buddy, Mike Smith, wasn't going for it. Um, He wanted to go to UCLA and do whatever he was doing. Uh, Greg Greg thought it sounded good. So he had the car, he had a truck. I didn't have a driver's license or a car. So he'd come down, pick me up at school, drive me around all the trails, Honda Hills, um, you know, Jones track out in Riverside. We'd go to all the races together. And then that's how that's how the SM thing first started because he had the car, he was older, he worked in the shop, and you know, we pulled a little bit of money together that I got, I think, a grand from my parents, he got a grand from his parents. We took that money, we bought two frames from Cook Brothers, it was right there was right over here off Edinger actually. Uh, and that's how it started.
1: I mean, this was this area was a real hotbed of Kickass Machine Works. Oh yeah, like and bike companies.
2: Oh, they're we, everywhere.
1: And that, like, some of the most iconic names from the beginning mm-hmm. and that first period of BMX. Oh, it was
2: all right here. I mean, you had you had uh CW Revcor. You had you know Torquer, Powerlight, GT. You know all this stuff. Bassett was right Elf. over here. Elf was over here. You Free st- Agent was right here. You still have you still have an Elf
1: machine in the workshop. Yeah, we have today, some. Right? We
2: have equipment here from Elf se uh vdc we've i've you you could be in our shop and pick up a pair of vice grips and see it has vdc scratched oh, wow. i mean i've gotten stuff from people for the last yeah. 30 years because everyone's gone yeah <clears throat> we're the last ones that are making anything here but there was a point in time in orange county la county that there were probably 30 bmx brands
0: that's crazy you guys really didn't need to leave the the hub here, was it? Like, there's a whole... You guys just said, it's like Disneyland here for us to look in and see this one. I mean, I mean yeah. uh,
1: thinking about having a BMX brand to be anywhere else in the world and think, oh, I'm going to have a BMX brand, that wasn't a thing. That didn't become a thing until a lot later and, you know, you even more than laid the blueprint down at that point, it was, you know, it was already, already a solidified thing of it was in existence and it was good and it was working. But, I mean you know everyone that period of right around companies like that didn't exist at that point yeah well
2: you know you know what's interesting um and i for- had forgotten about this 30 years is a long time ago but i'd forgotten about this until i read greg swingrover my old partner's uh interview for the book when we decided to start and start s m and, and make a couple of frames i, ha- I approached gt first because I was friends with those guys, I was friends with Rich um, and his kids, and Chuck Robinson, and you know the whole crew over there. And I had approached them first, but I think they pushed me. According to Greg's story, they Rich was so busy being a business guy that he kind of pushed me over onto Gary mm-hmm. Turner. Like mm-hmm. Gary Turner was, he was a little he was a little grumpy, you know, was put it put it that way. He was a little grumpy, um, and I went and approached him, and I was probably sixteen at the time. And I think he just flat out told me, "No, they weren't interested in doing anything for us, and they were too busy and whatever, blah blah blah." So, fine. Um, we went and found someone else that you know would take our money and build a couple frames for us, and that ended up being Cook Brothers, which was right here in Santa Ana. Hmm. And years later, after we moved from Cook Brothers to CW, and then from CW, who was outsourcing our work to Bassett, who we didn't we didn't know that was going on at the time. <laughs> oh wow! But we figured it out later. Rich called, Greg, who Greg was working for Todd Huffman and uh, Bob Morales, he, uh, he called and said, hey, I, I'd like, we should have been doing this from the beginning, we'd like to do it now. Right. So then- in, What year is this, though? It's about 89. Okay. 88, late 88, 89. So we moved to GT, and we moved it all to GT. So they started making the stuff, frames, forks, the bars, the jerseys, the pants, all the stuff, and then they were selling it, and we were getting a quarterly um, royalty- but it was around that time that, I mean, I was looking at my check and just thinking, man, I mean, this is cool and all. I'm out racing and riding and doing my thing, but this is not enough money. So that's when I, Greg and I decided, you know, we were going to part ways and I was going to do it on my own. And, and as soon as I took that over on my own in 1990, I just pulled out a GT altogether because I just, it was just too big. There was no way I was going to be able to you mm-hmm. know, carve out a better deal for myself over were there. they mad or anything or yeah they were a little I mean I'd already had these run-ins I'd had these run-ins with the big run-in was with Greg Hill because he had been having these run-ins with Dave Clymer at the Nationals and I think Dave you know elbowed him off a turn or something right and Greg got real mad at Dave and then uh it just all kind of ballooned from there. Right. You know, we kind of snuck into GT, took some of Greg's, one of Greg's national plaques off the wall, <laughs> took it home, did a bunch of stuff to it, you know, took pictures of us doing stuff to it. Uh, at one point I ended up with Greg Hill's Nora cup and I did some stuff in it. Uh, and I mean, so it right. all just escalated. Yeah. Actually yeah. escalated from a conflict that started with climber and, and Hill mm-hmm. uh, originally, um, because Dave would get under people's skin on the track. he mm, was fast. Same as you. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, Dave was, he was super, super way faster than I was. Um, so Dave would get under people's skin, but then we'd back him up. And then, so this whole thing happens with with Greg, and it gets real ugly, even when I was still at GT. Really? And he And he told Rich, he said, listen, Rich put Auburn, SM, and and Robinson all in the same trade show space at Interbike. And... Greg was riding for Robinson at that time. You know, he had quit GT, started his own brand and right. then had to come back five, five, and six. made a deal with Rich to come back and then but they didn't put him back on GT like they should have. They put him on Robinson, mm-hmm. which was bizarre, yeah. you know. Yeah. Cuz I think by that time Tommy Brackens was like the top GT pro and Tommy was great but it wasn't Greg Hill. No. Right,
0: I understand. Yeah. So anyway, they
2: put Greg on Robinson, <clears throat> and Greg comes to Rich and says, if that kid, if then Moller shows up in the booth, I'm going to beat his ass.
0: <laughs> and then, so then Rich
2: tells me, you can't, you can't come to the show, or if you come to the show, you can't come in your, you can't come in your own booth.
0: Right. Because
2: yeah. Greg's going to lose his mind, he's going to beat your ass. I said, that's insane. It's an S&M booth.
0: Right. Yeah. i got to
2: be in the S&M booth. And Rich said, no, you, you, I mean, he's going to beat your ass. You can't come in the booth. So that was kind of like at that point I was like, well, this is <laughs> fucked, you know. I gotta I gotta go do my own thing because these guys are all nuts. And what's,
1: what's funny is so you you know you've been there. It looks like you're going down that path. Then you then you have the split with GT, and all of a sudden I, I don't know if it's fueled by that, but all of a sudden you are anti-establishment, like you that are. Got the Todd yeah, Hoffman T-shirt are,
0: around that time. Yeah, but uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, you know, but all this stuff is is so bizarre. I mean, I never really, like I said, Rich was a great guy to me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would show up, pit, takes to the track, you know. We had a great. He'd take us boogie boarding at the beach on the weekends. You know. Yeah. I mean, he was a good good guy, but when it came to business, he was pretty ruthless. He oh, I mean, yeah. was a pretty tough Everybody business guy. And then once I kind of started, you know, feuding with all these other guys that worked for him, then it just became a whole all became right. a whole deal. And then everything just kind of balloon from there. And a lot of this stuff like the GT sucks, Todd Huffman sucks. Mm-hmm. This wasn't premeditated stuff on my on my part. I just went to a race, you know, did my thing. Got hammered at some point. <laughs> did a bunch of stupid stuff. You know, crapped on the gate. Or whatever, <laughs> okay, that's one of the questions. That's <laughs> one of the one of the crapping right. on the gate incidents. I think there were multiple crapping on the gate yeah. incidents.
3: Okay. Yeah,
2: right. I mean, I've been getting <laughs> shitty starts my whole life. I <laughs> <better> <laughs> take, <better laughs> take a <laughs> shit on the gate, you know? Why not? Uh, so, someone comes up to me and says, "You know, here, here's your shirt. I didn't print a GT sucks shirt. Some guy just handed it to me." Mm-hmm. So I put it on right. for, before the the single-A main, and I think I jumped the gate and tried a 360 over the double, folded <laughs> my wheel. Now someone else is trying to get me a wheel. I'm holding up the whole race. <laughs> Huffman gets bent out of shape because it's a televised race, and Todd Huffman's telling me off about this, that, and the other. So then but before the first and second main, then I just went ahead and took the Sharpie to it and turned it <laughs> into Todd Huffman sucks. <laughs> oh, man. And then it just all kind of – you know, then the guy that was running the the race, I can't remember um, the guy's name. Is an Arizona ABA guy that used to put those races on, um, Cowboy? You know, he would tell me. I remember that race in Oregon. That was ninety three. <coughs> you know, he said, "Chris, I don't like you." <laughs> I, said, I don't. I don't like you. I don't like. I don't like what you're all about. And I don't want you in my show in the show I don't want you in my show and this is my show and I said I told him I go well you know I don't really like you know I don't really like you either I don't, I don't like your belt buckle and I don't like your big hat I don't like anything you're all about you know and he said well it's my show it's my show so then boom Monday morning your suspension you know, one year, uh, one year, yeah. Oh wow! Kicked out of the ABA for a year after that. But again, so many levels of you know my idiotic behavior over the weekend. I don't blame them for kicking me out. I mean, I smashed a dude's window out of his van with a giant pole <laughs> I crapped on the gate I wore the GT suck shirt I held up the mains you know I did all right, it, right yeah yeah I, you know, I was begging for it right so oh and at that race Greg Hill choked me at one <laughs> well maybe he didn't choke by me but he grabbed me grabbed by the, the neck yeah, yeah. right he didn't cut off my you know, right. air supply yeah. right
1: he was going for a choke he, he didn't
2: he, yeah, I think he, you know, was able to contain himself a little bit, but he definitely had some veins oh, bulging yeah. out of his face. And I remember being a little unweighted mm-hmm. yeah. when he. I think he kind of picked me up. He- my right. Maybe <laughs> I'm just maybe I'm just making gym. that up. Yeah. But I feel lot, like I was right. unweighted.
1: Right. You know, a yeah.
3: little
1: bit. <laughs> I'm not sure, but oh, he was. I don't even know what he was pissed about. So now this, I mean, this is all, you know, this is all happening on the business side of things and going under, and now it's spilling out into public, and, you know, the common consciousness is seeing S&M for the first time, and almost the first time they're seeing it, it's like... <laughs> it's happening. It's yeah. actually happening. Yeah, I and mean, you know well, what? And it's different. It isn't another factory team with a different kit, and right. a new, different bike. It's a bunch of kids like, fuck them guys. yeah. it's a big mess right so for kids for kids who'd like riding their bikes who maybe enjoyed nationals but weren't it wasn't you know they didn't want to be the factory or they didn't want to be that clean cut thing because that weren't them they've now got something different for the first time in BMX racing history there's like for want of a better word there's an anti-hero right and there's a team of anti-heroes and they're all like
2: that yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so you know it's just a giant mess yeah because you
1: you this this is around the time where you climber and john paul now stop now stop yeah we're
2: yeah yeah well we'll kind of jump past that a little bit but it was all the 90s that whole era was the 90s you know it was was, the s&m was kind of a local race thing in the late 80s we had some local kids that were fast that we sponsored but (coughs) it wasn't the (coughs) s&m that you think of now it was more of a local team and then i was kind of this like wing nut dude that was doing all this goofy shit um but nobody else was everybody else was pretty straightforward bmx guys that were really good dirt jumpers too but they weren't you know crapping on gates or whatever
1: (laughs) it wasn't
2: it wasn't until i went back east in the in 88 or something i went back east for some races and met all these guys for the first time you know climber and john paul and that whole crew it wasn't until i went back there to pennsylvania and new york and new jersey and met all those guys that we started we kind of recruited some of those guys everyone moved out to california and we all moved into out of my parents house they they all moved into my parents house for a minute then we moved into our own house and that was climber alan foster you know um i can't remember who else was there at the time but that's when it really and then i took s m over by myself and then that's when it all kind of turned into mm-hmm. the S&M that you know, and I mean, uh, as well, we uh, think of uh,
1: now. Uh, yeah, as well with it, um, with, with it being the timing wise of it you know, just harping back quickly, you make the bikes you've got the terrible complete bikes, you need to make something that's better than that. You make these bikes that are stronger that aren't going to break you make these forks that are better that aren't going to bend and this runs right in line with dirt jumping and the popularity of dirt jumping which, you know it's almost cyclical because See you dirt jumping as the BMX test rider. Then you, know, you know, then you're in the race industry and you make a, a BMX brand, a BMX race brand. But then all of a sudden, dirt jumping blows up, and like you are all of a sudden. Well, that will happen at the races,
2: won't it? It all happened at the races. Yeah. there was no such thing as uh, there was no such thing as dirt jumping. Right. You know, and uh, you know when Gork decided to do local thrashing, that was probably the first time yeah. anybody would ever seen. Of course, everybody had their little riding spots, but all the riding spots were like practice tracks. Nobody was really making disjointed, you know, lines of jumps, jumps. you know, whatever, what we call rhythm sections. You know, at that time, they didn't even have a name. They didn't even really exist. You just pedaled and hit one jump, and that was that. Or people made a practice track. Even our little, you know, we call them trails now, but back then, trails were mountain bikes. You know, mountain bikes rode on trails. These were jumps. You know, but Gork uncovered this whole scene, or didn't uncover it, but he exposed it to the masses when he went to, you know, places like Red Devil and Lucky's and Parks and Fullerton. And then all of a sudden kids saw this, and I think spots started popping up all over
3: the place. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, because everyone had these little practice tracks, you know, Honda Hills, Jones Track, whatever, but they were that. They were practice tracks. Like, racers would go there and practice Kind of racing, mm-hmm. and but then all of a sudden, jumps started getting bigger, steeper, further. You know, we started doing these like rhythm sections with you know consecutive you know doubles in a row. Yeah. Oh,
3: nice.
2: <clears throat> and then I think that local thrashing article had a had a huge impact on that. And then the ABA tried to sort of, kind of you know get in on that with these sort of halftime dirt jump like you and fuzzy and harness was it? Yeah, well, yeah, the early ones, were, yeah, it was yeah it was me. I think when we went to Salt Lake, fuzzy, who nobody had ever heard of, was mm-hmm. showed up there um Brian Hernandez, who wrote for us, did a couple of them in the early early days it was it was the usual suspects that you think about from the eighties it was It was colin and mm-hmm. it was uh Kevin hall mm-hmm. Billy Griggs, you know all the guys that could do the tim judge one footed tabletop it right. was still. That era. That was still That's when I started. This was early, though. This was like 86 yeah. at some of these ba- uh, ABA Bakersfield. This is when I just started doing all kinds of weird shit and crashing half the time. <laughs> but it was all based on the crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. So whoever, whoever gets the crowd the loudest is going to win the 100 bucks. Right. 100 bucks. I'm right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pump the crowd up. So I started doing that kind of weird shit. I'd pump the crowd up. Like in Stockton, you know, first time I ever did a 360 in in front of a bunch of people, I pumped the crowd up Mm -hmm. and the dirt jumping contest at Stockton was, you know, I think it came down to me and Dave Vanderspeck. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, that that was kind of the head-to-head final. Me right. Dave Vanderspeck. So Dave Vanderspeck's doing like a no footer,
3: yeah.
2: you know, on his on his skyway boss, or skyway. <laughs> I'm I'm pumping up the crowd like you know some kind of WWF, you know, guy. Yeah, yeah of And then I do the 360, and I, I, I fucking land it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'd ever really done one mm. over like a double. Yeah. Before, yeah. but I just did it, landed it. Got the hundred bucks. I was on to the next one, and then it was just, you know, then we're going here and getting the hundred bucks. I kept getting the hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. I didn't always pull it, but the crowd was ballistic. They would go bananas because yeah. I'd fall, and I'd get up, and I, yeah. you know,
0: I mean, get them, get them louder, get them, and I'd get right. hundred bucks. And that's how it all. It just all kind of went from there. Did you know, like? The magazine was going around the world and people, you know, so we, we was reading all this and the circulation. Of- yeah, I mean, I was, because I worked there too, you know, part
2: time and I knew it was a huge business and circulation was, was, was
0: What were the crazy. numbers? Do
2: you know? Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was hundreds of thousands of wow. um, copies and, and this was in an era when um, the sell through, was all about the sell through. So it wasn't just how many you printed because, you know, you're lucky to sell through a third of what you print. Yeah. But- mm-hmm. All, this, all the uh, retailers would send the covers back and they would get credited. So they knew exactly how many got printed, obviously, and mm-hmm. then they'd know how many sold through right. based on how many didn't get returned. Right. Um, BMX Action and Freestyle the Magazine, um, both Wizard Publications in the 80s, mid-80s, late 80s, was doing really, really well. Wow. I mean, hundreds of thousands of... Good product. Yeah. Really good. Product. Good magazines and, and selling like crazy. I mean, BMX... Freestyle especially was was huge at that point.
1: Uh-huh. Well, so now SM gets set up, and uh, as if, well, I mean, you look at things and you think it's unlucky at the time, but maybe not so much in hindsight. BMX took a little bit of a dip at that point, didn't it? it
2: oh yeah, so, by by the late eighties, it was it was like the black plague of the bike industry.
0: Nobody wanted to be involved. Before we go into that, let me uh, let's take a quick break. <laughs>
1: <Too many>. <laughs> alliteration, <laughs> do that.
0: All right, Paul. We just had a little break. We're back on it.
1: So yeah, some... Paul's
0: given himself cancer. <laughs>
1: and, uh, we're all doing it, man, in one way or another. So uh, around this time, and you know, it, w- you've explained we're in a time where there's not a lot of money. Um, you've just been banned by the ABA. Now, you know, you said before that you came to you came to Bursi with. You know those guys for the race thing, but really being, you know, you even said like lower tier kind of than the crazy crazy. Yeah, I was there. the guy
2: that would eat the snails. Yeah, <laughs> the snail guy. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so, so now I was the uh, guy that would eat anything well, <laughs> yeah. and say
1: thank you. That's yeah, delicious. It, yeah. yeah. So then you come back. You come back for the backyard jam. Uh, the first one, Fuzzy came over, and it was kind of it was kind of big. It was roots, and the cool people were there. But, then, but they were still wearing leathers and jerseys. Yes, I mean,
0: Jamie, Jamie yes, Staff raised yes, Fuzzy there. I think Jamie Staff might have even done the King of Dirt. That was a real small one, the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Mike, yeah. Mike, Mike, 92.
1: Mike, Mike and Fuzzy. 92. But
0: Fuzzy,
2: but then, fuzzy ha- it was Fuzzy in the, and full, McCoy. Full, yeah. But yes. they were doing the
0: full mongoose yeah,
2: full, uniform.
1: Full, well, that's
0: full where Keith Dooley and right. kind of got his little Fuzzy uh, uh, lookalike and it's kind of keep the start, so, Kickstarter Keith.
1: So the next year when you come over... Jerseys
0: and leathers. Yes. Still in
2: 92. Yes.
1: You come over dirt jumping's different and the winter the winter before that was the winter of the big cliff jump at Dover so big jumps everybody had jumped big jumps but like trails were happening and really big jumps were happening the the jump over the river at La Mirada, the mm-hmm. cliff jump at Dover and you would you were doing all of those
2: yeah because I, I mean I was a race guy so I could pedal fast and then I wasn't afraid to hit a big jump
1: so it was just a good combo so you come over to, you come over to for the backyard jam, and like I mean, there's so much about that day, there were so many kids that,
2: that Well let's not, let's not even talk about that day. Let's talk about the first day. When I, I flew in, <laughs> I think Keith Trainer was coming to that event, too, yeah. but I don't think we flew together. I think we might have flown separately. but anyway, I remember coming down there on probably a Friday evening. I landed it at, at Heathrow. We went straight to Bex Hill. We hadn't even gone to Backyard yet. We hadn't gone to Hastings to the shop or (laughs) Stu's house or anything. I think we went from Heathrow to Bexhill. Uh, And I got out of the van and then I walked down there. It was a BMX. It was a shitty BMX. You terrible. I mean, like the worst one. There were no ramps or anything there. There was just this one weird... Jump, <laughs> and, you know, and this thing was like thirty something, thirty five. I think if you remember measuring. It was like thirty seven feet or something.
1: Over, I heard I thirty five. So yeah,
2: it's probably like fifty know. feet by now. Lot, yeah, it's well, fifty feet by now. But it
1: really was thirty
2: five solid feet, and the jump, the takeoff, was about four feet tall, and it was just the most kinked, but it was just it, effed up it, looking it thing it ever. Would,
1: the takeoff would have been okay
2: if it was a ten foot set of diamonds. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was thirty five nice. feet. And it was it was at the bottom of a hill with a gravelly run up, then you had to come out of a housing track full speed out of you know Keith Dooley's driveway. Full you know, full sprint, and then you hit this thing and it was just like having somebody, you know, kick I mean, you in the ass.
1: You couldn't you couldn't miss the landing because you were landing in that burn. Yeah. But I mean It, it was, was jacked up. I it, mean it was really it was it really was, messed up. It was huge. Yeah. Everybody. I remember everybody getting there because you, you tried it on the Friday. You did it on the Friday. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I went yeah. from Heathrow to Bexhill, <laughs> got out of the van.
3: Which I like as well. Yeah. Immediately pedaled yeah, yeah. down
2: the hill, hit it one time and did a, kind of a kick out. And then I went back up the hill and I came down Keith Dooley's driveway, <laughs> <laughs> hit it full speed and did a big tuck no-hander and landed it and put my bike back in the van and said, let's go to Hastings. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, you hear this it. is yeah. fucked. Yeah. I, I, and then the next day when everybody showed up it was supposed to happen at the end of the day but what what was going on was there was a little tabletop session everybody was hitting a little tabletop and doing 360s and little tricks and whatever but I was supposed to be going to a Green Day concert that night with Will and all the guys from <laughs> Belfast and we needed to leave <laughs> because the the show was like you know I don't know a couple hours away and it was coming up you know quick hey, hey, hey. so I said well Fuck it! Everyone was doing their little thing on the tabletop, and I went up to the you know sausage cart and got a <laughs> tea and a, a, a you know an English breakfast, right. which I think was like a hot dog and a wood stick. <laughs> I didn't pay for the extra for the pack of ketchup. You know, right. I didn't want to spring the thirty you know p for the pack of ketchup. <laughs> Eating in that country is that, bizarre. That was, I don't know how you guys do it, but anyway. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the hot dog on the stick. And I'm gonna hit the jump. And I'm just gonna blow the whole thing wide open. That's exactly what happened. I just went up to the top of the hill, <laughs> and I just rode down. and hit the jump, and then that was it. Everything else, the, whatever they were gonna do, That's was over. Right. That, yeah. the, that event <laughs> yeah. was over, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Yeah. everyone just piled over to the jump. And there's, then, there's footage of that. Then it was there's just people. Yeah, of And then, my then it was. Just, then you were probably scrambling around trying to find Where's all my your butt? gear. <laughs> Where's my bike? Where's your <laughs> leathers? Where's your yeah. leathers? Where's my mouth strap? So yeah, <laughs> a sausage on a stick. Keith Dooley's trying to make a mohawk out of stickers. Right. You know, yeah, everyone was just yeah. scrambling around. I didn't have to scramble around because I didn't wear anything. Right. I was in the same I clothes actually, I was in the I night
1: I before. Went, <laughs> I remember you saying at one point, man, I'm crazy. I need to go and get some protection and then come back with a beanie. <laughs> everyone <laughs> yeah. thought you were going to come back with like. chest protector. <laughs> protect I
2: was a 100% it. cotton beanie. Right. And I rolled it up. In the front. Uh, so dude, it was doubled uh, up. It's
1: doubled up. I just it's so nuts because I think that was the one where the kids were moshing on the landing. Like so if somebody oh, it was pulled a madhouse. Yeah, it was a mad and, house. and there were so many more kids there than anybody had expected. It was the first real local like oh my god, there's thousands of kids here. Yeah. So right now I, this is this is a, a story. So I didn't go to the Green
2: Day concert. We did we blew <laughs> the event up. We got it, you know, we moved it over to the big jump. And then yeah. I end up going down towards the end. And so I ended up going to the hospital, you know, in England, you know, I don't have to tell you what an English. Oh, the only either. thing worse than eating in England is going to the hospital. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd now just done both in the same Two day. Two
1: examples of when things are free, you're like, man, I get why they're free. Yeah. yeah. So hang on, before we get to, before we get to and at the end of that, the winter before that, you'd shown me. He's like, oh my god! You've got to watch this Evil Knievel documentary, and me thinking oh, the Wembley Stadium speech. Right, so piece, yeah. me thinking well, I memorized it. <laughs> yeah. So now a lot of people didn't even know, and I've still I've still told people it were there. Well, I thought that was it was
2: day. it was in England.
1: Everyone yeah. should know the Wembley Stadium speech, right? right. so Evil Knievel, when he came to Wembley Stadium, he crashes. And he gives the most amazing, like, over-the-top... Bizarre the top. Evil Dude, speech. it's so amazing. He's like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's a great country. You're, yeah. you're the last people to he's like, He's basically unconscious. Yeah. He's just
2: talking on Dude, autopilot. Yeah,
1: he's absolutely bonkers at that point. But you crash at that. And somebody, come, and I don't I'm, even know why the microphone's there, but all of a sudden somebody puts a microphone, and you're all like bent over, like oh, in you're, pain. Sk- you're covered. In I had a bunch dust. of
2: broken ribs. The, the
1: beanie is definitely skewered. <laughs> I was out. Yeah. I was
2: out for a little bit. If you watch the well, video, you, you, you watch t- me. You watch me pass out. You try and grab a big
1: piece of grass to steady yourself, <laughs> yeah. and it just comes out of the ground. And you it the back. So somebody comes up with the, the microphone, and you deliver. That speech pretty much word for word, exactly the same. I don't know how many other people other than me realized, my God, that's fucking genius.
2: That's the Wembley Stadium speech. It's the exact word (laughs) for
1: word. But I mean, I just, you know, that's that whole day and that whole time is, you
2: know. Yeah, no, that was an amazing weekend. I mean, uh, yeah. You tried to bus drive at I jumped. I'm glad to be honest looking back on it now I'm glad that I knocked myself stupid like that on that one because I, I, it was a tucked o' hander just like I'd done the night before and I think I'd already done a couple that day but for some reason I was doing another one I just couldn't get enough <laughs> I thought cold. I was doing a windy photo, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. i yeah. yeah. 30 more <laughs> But I thought I was going to do 30 more, but my feet slipped off, and now I'm running, you know, I'm running in the air, mm-hmm. I'm doing all this weird shit, and then it was a pretty bad crash. So I'm out, and then I break the ribs, and I get up and give the speech, but I'm almost glad it happened because I have about, you know, five things that I pretty much was always going to do, you know, and it was going to be a one footed table, or and a bus driver, or a tuck no hand, But the three was coming. Of course. So the next one probably would have been the three, and the three over that would not. <coughs> would not
3: have no
2: it would have been like Robbie Miranda's three at the Woodward uh, <laughs> yeah. award ceremony we just went oh
0: yes oh my god yeah, yeah I yeah. saw that yes make
1: yeah. so, was was it ugly that would have been coming and so I'm, I'm almost glad that didn't happen if you pause that Robbie Miranda three looks a little bit like he's trying to do one of the huck and knack knack threes he just puts his leg out to slow the rotation oh, down but I was not standing right there well. when it happened That's right not really,
2: right yeah. before he rolls in because you know I was getting into their little you know their hall of fame thing yeah, over yeah. there um, with Pete Augustine. And this is the day before the awards dinner. And Robbie tells me, he points at me from the rolling and says, this is for you, Moeller.
0: he had a clam. And he rolls <laughs> yeah. in and does that.
2: Ugh. And then he hits the deck and then slides to the bottom. he <laughs> just makes this, you know. That's scary to see it on Blood there. curdling, noise. <laughs> hey, he got off relatively yeah, easy man. for mm-hmm. what it was, but yeah. watching it, it was like I mean, it was like a plane. You get plain shot crash.
1: out of a cannon 50 yeah, feet insane. on
2: the jump man. So, yeah, the backyard thing, uh, you know, th- then it was on from there because nobody was wearing leathers. Well, I think you were, but besides, <laughs> Paul, <laughs> besides Paul, no, right. wait,
1: wait a minute, one of your dudes might have been wearing leathers. I think me, maybe me and Greg are back. I might, have oh. had, I might have had pro design knee pads. I might. Our have tried, French dude, yeah. yeah, our French dude. It takes a while, to, uh, you know. I might have tried to. I might, have, I might have been trying to be Jamie Bestwick. I think I had pro design knee pads, but I did have a power light shirt. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just, I, it was such a, a crazy time, and but the that, scene had shifted. Like that was a oh, clear,
2: yeah, yeah. that was a clear line where the scene had definitely shifted. That was you know. for me the
1: first. Like freestyle event run by freestylers that were bigger than most of the races. Yeah. Like and and but there's still been no real real structure.
0: Just well, racing was in it, especially in England. Racing was small right then. You know, yeah, know went period. to a, yeah, race. Yeah, I went yeah, to a yeah. race on yeah. that trip. Yeah.
2: And yeah, I mean, it, racing in England was. It, it was, was underground
0: and small, yeah. yeah.
2: And it was always had sort a of drizzly.
0: Oh yeah.
2: It wasn't like over here where no. it's 80 degrees and no, it's sunny. No, no, and it's like a no. big party. Well, we know? hadn't
0: been here yet so we didn't Well, I mean we knew for the magazines but we had once we'd been here then gone back then we realized how bad the conditions we raced in, you know. But at the yeah. time that was normal for us, you know. So Yeah, no, it was uh, it's
2: funny seeing uh, you know Dale and Jamie together at uh Black Mountain phoenix a couple years ago when it was pouring down rain and everybody was right yeah, yeah, and yeah. they were laughing because yeah it,
0: yeah yeah Dumbness. we were racing this all the time yeah that was what we grew up with you know but it definitely gets softer when you hear you know it's definitely you get spoiled. yeah yeah you really do i mean i would have spent time here and gone back I'm like, ah, this and it sucks but at the time we knew nothing else even when the, we,
2: the uh hastings thing uh the bex hill Ninety-three uh, backyard jam was one of those kind of, I think, pivotal moments uh, in, in the SNM kind of story, you know. And you know, we we're looking at these photos over here, um, the ABA Hall of Fame thing, yeah. right, <laughs> right, right up, up yours. It's th- the story with the shirt and that podium shot. It's a lot like so many things that have happened over the years, with especially with you know, I notice you know, everybody always wants to hear about the Harry Larry. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, let's
0: get into the Harry Larry stuff. Yeah. Half <laughs> of it
2: is completely by accident right so in the last couple of weeks i've been kind of tracing back ever since i listened (laughs) to his podcast that you did right uh, because his version harry's version of how this you know rivalry if you want to call it that started started with a diamondback test that i did when i was Um, you know a teenager and according to to harry's recollection i kind of beat up the bike which definitely would be true and then they kind of complained that I wasn't riding the bike the way the bike was designed to be ridden, which would be true. And then somehow I got like upset about that. <clears throat> That's not what I remember at all. I don't remember that. I don't remember that causing any kind of a problem whatsoever. I, I remember, I remember Harry being one of my favorite riders as a kid and Gork taking me over to his house one time when I was probably 16 to do Gates with Todd Blazer he had just moved out mm-hmm. and Spanky Campbell I don't know if you remember that I remember guy. the name A pro yeah, guy right pro from I think Jersey or something right and Gork and me we were doing Gates in Harry's driveway and I think Harry's wife or girlfriend at the time opens up the kitchen window and she says Harry you know it's 9 o'clock <laughs> uh, time to shut it down and the Gates <laughs> you know and they're sprinting out in the street and just driving everyone nuts in the neighborhood and and he says, you bleep and bleep, the sooner you figure out that this gate's putting food on the table, you'll shut the bleep and bleep. Oh, uh, and, I, you know, and, I, and I remember just being on the gate. I think I was on the gate with him, maybe. Later, <laughs> yeah. A lot of them and just thinking... Holy shit, right. this thing's putting food on the table. This gate. This gate is putting food food on the table. I just thought we were like dicking around trying to, you know, get a better start. But now I'm thinking, this thing's putting food on the table. I better I better, I better buckle down. I better, bu- I better watch the lights. You know, closely. So that was that was kind of a, a, a little insight. It was eye opening for me. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this guy is intense. I mean, it's probably why I liked him as a rider because mm-hmm. he wasn't afraid to bang elbows. No. You know, you, you, he'd go into the flat turn, tap the front brake, you know, at the <laughs> last minute, and then just jam somebody. You know, and whatever, like push, none, push the push none. the car tire out of the way and elbow somebody. <laughs> Not you know? use the
1: monster to front brake. And yeah, that so
2: that's probably why he was like one of my favorite riders at the time. But the thing with the test wasn't really an issue at all. In fact. This whole thing started I think by accident when I moved up into double A at the Grands and again I wasn't even I didn't even want to be double A. It was the last thing in the world I wanted to be was Double A Pro. So I show up to the to the sign-up window. And what year and is this? This is like eighty-eight. Okay. You know, I'm probably seventeen, eighteen. Clayton says to me congratulations bud (laughs) (laughs) I said congratulations on what making it like driving the Auburn van all the way to Oklahoma (laughs) by myself (laughs) with no sleep he's like congratulations bud <laughs> you're double A. Oh, yeah. oh, oh shit! <laughs> I, I was like four grand in already. Right? They're supposed to turn. You're supposed to turn it two. Right? Two grand. And I've been making money like all year. Right? Single A win, third, fourth, whatever. Like all year, I was up to probably four grand. and I wasn't going to tell anybody because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to come right back the next year and race single A again. Start again. Yeah. You know. But somebody got why? Somebody was like, Jesus, is Molar up here? Like getting another? You know, three hundred bucks? How right. many times? has he been up here getting 300 bucks i'm not getting five grand like terry Tanette right you know but i'm getting 300 every weekend and he uh, finally yeah, figures it out there's
1: another a pro who's not getting that 300 bucks. he
2: figures it out turns me double a at the grand oh
0: it's hard it's right. yeah God. oh uh. man
2: so i get into a moto somebody put it on on facebook just recently and i pass harry <laughs> and i elbow him off the track and then he comes back and he doesn't he doesn't pass me for, for you know, but after the finish line, he tries to knock me down. Yeah. And, but it didn't work that particular time the crowd, booze him, and it's a whole thing, and I try to pump up the crowd, and <laughs> it was a whole thing. For me, I think that's where it started because then I ended up in another race with him that weekend with him and Eddie King, they were both on Diamondback, and I think we were all, you know, competing, like, in a quarter for fourth place or something. Anyway, the points were all jumbled up. Those guys, I think, were tied They were kind of pussyfooting around with each other because they couldn't really just take each each other out. Mm -hmm. I think they were both going for the same spot, but so was I, and I was behind them both. And I think I ended up getting by Harry, and I remember going down the last straightaway. I just started cutting him off as much as I could, and I (laughs) rode him all the way into the potted plants. And and I think I, I beat him to the line because I cut him off and pushed him off the track. So after the finish line on that one, I remember turning into the hallway at the, at the Myriad Convention Center, I remember he just T-boned me and I flew off my bike. I flew off my bike and I remember laying on the ground, I was probably 17 or 18, he's like 30 at this point. Right. And, I'm, and I remember just yelling, you know, you old freak, <laughs> <laughs> screaming at him and and, I, and that I think is where it really kind of started. But then I blew out my knee years later and kind of disappeared from the racing. But by the time I came back 10 years later for what was now Vet Pro, Uh, it just happened again. Totally by accident, you know. I remember just seeing him something would happen I would see him and I would just snap into this like other <laughs> place I wasn't even trying to I just my body was just like, <laughs> still from like Get 10 him. years <laughs> ago <laughs> it would be like a target you know like a, like a robotic you know <laughs> yeah. Terminator yeah, thing. yeah the, <laughs> red <thing> with, <laughs> the red thing the red thing if it was anyone else you would you know if it was anyone else you wouldn't even I wouldn't do probably anything I'd just pull in behind him and maybe try and pass him but man if it was him was just coming in yeah, man. you know and then, then it was on yeah. so then all through those vet pro years that's when some of the really so the, know, the, the, that's when some of the really notable incidents so were the, taking uh, place let's, let's,
1: let's, let's just go for the creme de la creme let's go for uh, I don't
0: know I think it was the early national in the year Reno Yeah, I was in that race oh the shoe yeah, this yeah is the shoe yeah. race
1: Aquaman. Yeah, I'm, I remember like oh no 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 no.
2: Is this, was that the same weekend as the Aquaman no, thing no, no, different no, year no, no. Yeah, Aquaman was
3: 93
2: uh, yeah this, we're talking about 98 yeah, okay this is, this is, we've gone to the, to the end of the 90s this is with Pip yeah. the vet pro yeah Pip's wife had the baby right you yes. had to be 28 yeah. to be vet pro right and I was 28 and I, I was so we were racing single A and vet pro
1: Right, Harry yeah, was too. Yeah.
2: We'd race both. We would race single A and then come back up and race pro. right around. You'd come right around, you'd race that Pro. Ooh. So we'd race both classes. And there was like a single A cruiser at that time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the best thing ever for yeah. me because now like all of a sudden money, you can actually make some money, right? So you yeah. can make like five, yeah. six hundred bucks a weekend, you know, and yeah. not really.
0: Be good at racing,
2: right? Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I was all about
2: it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, now I'm racing Daryl Young and Harry. Littery. I think
0: Wildman was in on this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was doing cruiser. Vet Pro, yeah,
2: yeah. Pro wasn't. what it became. No, let's put it that way. You know, um, I don't even know. Maybe Roop was even in it yet. I I don't know. It, it definitely got. He probably was, but he he was probably at an NBL race that particular weekend or whatever. But anyway, first race of the season. Yeah, maybe the first Vet Pro moto. I think I just dive in on Harry and, and T-bone I'm in a turn and we go down and we're laying on the ground and yeah, he's getting up, but slipping falling back down
3: <laughs> and getting
2: up and slipping and falling back down each time he kind of loses his balance his knee kind of was, you know, gets me in the neck so I mean I'm just getting pummeled I'm on the ground again it was like 10 years ago you freak yeah. you old freak get off of me because now I'm like 30 and he's like 40 yeah. I bet that's a rude like, what
1: n- are I we bet, doing down here I bet that's here. a rule nerve with it. I bet
2: the age thing he's, he's kneeing me in the neck and you know the whole thing <laughs> I get up I get back over to the, to the pit area and I hurt my ankle when I crashed. So I've got my shoe off and I'm kind of massaging my foot. And I mean, I'm looking at the track and I'm in one of these little, you know, rodeo uh, with like the uh, the bleacher seats. And I'm massaging my foot and out of nowhere, wham, I just get, you know, hit in the back of the head. Just, a, I don't know, a fist. I think it was a fist or, or elbow or something. So he just comes in hot from behind in the stands and just clobbers me, I I go straight into the baby stroller. Right. I don't know if there's a the baby stroller gets knocked over. I don't know <laughs> if there's a baby in it. It's, there might have been a baby <laughs> in it. At that, right. I don't know. Anyway, I jump up. I'm hopping around because I got a bad ankle with no shoe on, and I'm hopping around on my one foot with the shoe. You know, but I'm holding the the other shoe in my hand still. And we get into this tussle, and I'm kind of swinging at him or something. And people grab us both. And I remember one arm's kind of pinned like this, and he's being held, and the only thing free was my hand (laughs) with the shoe. And I'm hopping up and down on my foot, and I'm just screaming, you freak, ah!" And then
1: I just wind up. I wind up with the shoe, and I just get him across the face with the shoe. (laughs) See, now, I'd I'd heard there was some dialogue before then. Oh, there might have been. I'd heard that when the people tried to step in and split it up, at some point, you even said to him, dude... I haven't even got my shoes on. If we're gonna fight, like, <laughs> I've got to put my shoes on and then hit him
3: in the face. <laughs> and, <too. laughs> and, like, that's that's, that's the dirty. One. That's dirty. But, hey,
2: I just got. I just got. You Dude, know, you just got a gold cop from, from the back, yeah. there
1: are No rules at that. No, point it's
2: it's uh, yeah. it's just a. That, r- of that race
1: seems to be a bit of a catalyst for you. The heart, yeah, the chug- so, Oh yeah, chug- yeah. That
2: stadium, it would just happen. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, you and uh, the And, Reno. and the bike Livestock. show this year coming up. Livestock Events Center. I just, I mean, with wild in the Livestock Events
1: with the thing. Thing. If you try, you know, I've told that story before to people who weren't there, and it, I hear myself, and it sounds unbelievable.
2: It does sound unbelievable. If that story wasn't, if that race wasn't on video, right, yeah, nobody yeah. would ever believe right. anything to happen. That right? Moment, you know,
1: I mean, but, three, three, three crashes in the same motor with the same two people, and then. For one of those people to stand up and moonwalk down the last straight,
3: like, you know,
1: I don't even know
2: how to moonwalk. Then, <laughs> you know, I have no idea where that came from. And then, from that, you know, the fact that. Just kicked in. That, if you watch the video, you can tell <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to moonwalk. Yeah, and the fact that
1: the guy, the guy that you've crashed with looks like a WWF wrestler, <laughs> and his team boss is the legit craziest dude at the track.
2: Yeah, and he attacks me. Yeah. You know, and you're standing right there. Unbelievable. In uh. both those cases, Harry got kicked out of the stadium, you know, the Livestock yeah, Reno yeah. Uh, Event Center and then Chuck Gladden Chuck 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 got kicked out too. walking
1: around yeah. the outside for the rest of the day.
2: Yeah, in the snow. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> a lot of this stuff did happen on the track with, with Harry but a lot of it was just accidental too mm-hmm. but it all added to it. Right. So one time at uh, Salt Lake City I'm in a porta potty
3: <laughs> this is so bizarre. This is the kind of shit
2: I'm talking about. I'm in a porta potty, taking a dump, and all of a sudden somebody starts pounding on the door and shaking the porta potty around. Shaking it around while I'm in there. So I jump up, like my pants are still at my ankles, and I open the door. I don't even know if I pulled my box from that guy. I don't know. I was taking a dump, and then I was out the door instantly. As I open the porta potty door, guess who's riding by? Harry Larry. Harry Larry's like right, he's like 20 feet away. Um, And that's the first thing I see. I open the door, the the porta potty's shaking around. You know, I think I'm like, the porta potty's getting tipped over. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I open the door, and there he is. And I start yelling at him. You. Freak, you freak! I think, I think the guy's shaking the porta potty. That's how nuts I think he is. Okay, I think he's so nuts that he's trying to shake the right. porta potty. He sees me come out of the porta potty, screaming at him, and thinking to himself, "This dude is out of his damn mind." He's peeking, peeking through a crack in the porta potty door. And sees me uh, and decides he's gonna to charge out with yeah. his pants at his hand. He's sh- screaming
3: at that so he looks at me like he
2: looks at me like I've got like I've got two heads. And I'm thinking to myself, Man, what is going on like this is weird. That dude's trying to dump me over in a porta potty. Now he's looking at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then I look to the left and I see Betcher
0: hiding behind something <laughs> and he departed probably been young then as well he, wasn't he? Yeah. Was, yeah but I yeah. I
2: drove him from Vegas to the race okay oh, he was the one that was shaking the porta potty right and he didn't even ha- it had nothing to do with it Harry Carson Larry yeah, at yeah. all it just so happened that Harry Larry <laughs> happened to be riding by that porta potty at that exact time <laughs> <laughs> he's just your last time. So, so I look over at Betcher yeah. and that, it all dawns on me. Right, yeah, yeah. That little uh, shit did right. it. Right. And then he told me, you know, he was like, You got problems, Muller. And from <laughs> that day on, that was like ninety-nine probably. YGP. He's every time I get a text from him, it's right. YGP. Uh, you got problems. And then, Come on. I must have looked like a total yeah, psychopath.
1: Yeah. Just psychopath. you might even think twice about ever crossing this guy's crazy enough to come out of a port of jump with his right, hat. right. So even even that particular race weekend which ended up culminating in that photo right
2: there. <laughs> right. Uh we go at it pretty good in vet pro the whole weekend. I mean, good races, you know. It was like solid races. That was kind of the uh Mark Melton. Right yes. ninety nine it was two thousand. It was probably two thousand. Um I think every most people are on clips already but i'm still on flats but you know anyway me and Leroy go at it all all day that day we get into a couple scuffles i take them out a couple times whatever um clayton ends up having to try and you know um try and you know talk everybody down it it, it gets pretty you know hostile at some points during the weekend and on that particular day you know he ends up getting first and i get second and we're walking up to do the uh, podium shot right. that's him with the big check and right. for, that gets first and I'm in second next to him and there just happens to be a guy standing there in this 7-up shirt Seven. <laughs> it says 7-up on the front or it says make 7 <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: and then on the back it says up yours and I just saw the guy from the back and I knew I was getting on the podium right. with Larry. I said, "I got, it. give me your shirt." Right. Some guy just takes his shirt off, and I just put it on. Right. Oh, okay, I wondered why. Yeah, yeah. I'll but again, then none of this stuff is. It's you know.
1: insane how they use that for your
2: platform. And then, like then I go to get, area. yeah, go to put me in the the hall, the ABA Hall of Fame, and that's on the plaque You know, it's unreal. Yeah, it's unreal. All
1: right, so uh, we've, we've covered a bunch of your stuff right now. S and M, you know, you you've you've come across to England and you've always had a massive, massive, m- massive force in England. You've always had really kick-ass team riders. Like, but before we get to that, you know, the s Race brand, you've had some of the fastest riders in history have rode that bike. I mean, predominantly from that era, the fact that Pete Lankarowicz rode the homes. I mean, that's, that's mind-blowing.
2: Yeah, it's still, it's still odd to this day. And then we... John Paul contacted him and interviewed him for the book, and just recently about it. And there was no money involved. you know, I think I made it might have given Pete a couple hundred bucks. It's you know, over the whole season that he rode that bike. I think he just felt like a black sheep in the industry in general. you know, there was this whole thing going on at that time where, you know, if you were you weren't the most clean cut guy, you'd lose your deal. And you know, and so a lot of guys would get roped into that back then. You know, Terry, obviously Pete, and these are some of the fastest guys on the track. But they all ended up with no big, you know, factory ride. So they ended up doing things like the Vans team or whatever they could put together. You know, Terry's on an MCS, Pete's on an S and M. I mean, they're, everyone's just mm-hmm. to, basically saying, you know what? F you, f yeah. everybody. Yeah. I think Pete riding that bike was just a big f you to everybody in the in the industry, and that's what he basically he says that you know more tactfully in the book, but that's essentially what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I mean, it was a it was a good race bike. It was a little on the heavy side, uh, but I mean, nobody's nobody's ridden it any faster. I mean, nobody's ever gotten a, a national number one double-A plate on a on an SNM before. I mean, that's I mean,
1: that that that's insane for a. You you know if you if you looked at some outside sport like Formula One you know a team a team to be set up and then within a decade yeah. to have the world champion.
2: That's- but I
1: mean, let, let's be honest with Pete. I mean, at that at that point in
2: time, I mean, he probably could have he probably could have won on a beach cruiser.
3: Mm-hmm
1: he was I mean
2: and Eric
0: Manozi had won the 1989 fine. superclass world championships in Australia on S&M so tell us a little bit about Well, I think, Manozzi, that's even, yeah. I
2: think that's even more impressive because I think he did it on a mad dog frame or an early he, dirt he, bike he, it was, he was so tall. short he was tall he, and he was tall oh, Minozzi was tall yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And the thing's got yeah. a 19 inch top too yeah but he came to Reno and raced he raced some ABA races yeah no he did too. come out for a little bit yeah yeah I don't know how that whole deal got put together, to be honest with you. I mean, he was just blazing fast and super smooth and kind of a
0: sign of things to come. Well, there were Real a lot racing. of S&M guys Pretty in crystal. France. Yeah, that, that you know, the hot seat pointing up the Fred Z bars. We talked about it with Dylan. There was a lot of S&M French on. guys on that kind of, that you know. I think it might
2: have had something to do with our distributor at the time, too. Yeah. You
1: know, and they, we had would have, a, they would have been selling a lot more bikes compared to some of the race brands because dirt jumping was starting to blow up at that point. I mean, like the thing with England, you've always had very, very good riders from England. Um, You know, and and also those guys that have come over here, you know, you've seen the good guys who've come here. I mean, they might have either been with you or had the frame, but they've then gone on to become, you know, lifelong riders or in Ian's case, he's gone to set up his own business. But I mean, you know, Fids, Ian Morris, Neil, like, a lot of England's best to ever do it have ended up on S&M for periods in their career yeah um, it is interesting I mean I yeah. think
2: we bounced around with distributors for years in England you know back in the hot, hot shop with the Marys and with uh, Jane Wendell and a bunch of different people uh, Robbie um, Robbie Rupshon yeah Rob, Hob- Hill. Rob Hill a lot of different people through the years um, going all the way back to you know uh, Graham Mary Mm-hmm. Dad, I mean, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think dad. Uh, the kids were like they were babies. I don't even know if they were born to be honest when we first started with with their dad. But anyway, a lot of different distributors through the years over there. Uh, but once we settled in with with uh, Stu and Stu and Ian at Backyard Skates and Bikes, which then became seventies, uh, um, it just seemed like for probably fifteen years we had a, such solid distribution over there, and um, I mean, it was always I, a I, big part of our business. I a lot of a lot of brands never really didn't really pay attention to what was going on in in the uk or didn't seem to care you know the early 80s you know all these american brands trying to do stuff yeah yeah, you know in england um but nobody was really paying that much attention i I feel like we did
0: yeah well between like say when the bubble burst in the mid just 86 87 in england it went down and that's when we all kind of started coming up in the late 80s early 90s It was nothing we were lucky to get a no matter what team across the board you just get frame forks, a helmet well, and a set of and, 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 and one pair of hands if you're lucky, you know, from just, anybody.
1: It wasn't just that at home either because, I mean, my first, my first two winters that I spent out here, you know, I'm, the fact that everybody else who was riding all the time and the peers of those scenes, you know, they were waiting for a call from Anthony's dad to see if they were going to get some work that week. Like these were the best, like legitimately the best dudes, the best dudes I've ever ridden with. The best dudes who you know travel. And you're moving,
2: half. you're moving furniture for uh, Anthony uh, Reyes Beas's Anthony Reyes at Bingo. To, yeah,
1: to make a bit of money, but it's there isn't there isn't a crap ton of money. And the people who are riding are the people who just want to ride their bikes. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, coming over here, I, you know, I I mentioned it earlier, but you know, you letting me sleep on your couch, pretty much. Well, not free, but almost free, whilst riding for GT. Whilst riding for GT. <laughs> almost.
3: <laughs>
1: like, whilst riding for GT, with you bringing s forks and giving me s forks for next to nothing, watching me put GT stickers on them. Yeah. You know, but... Is that what he I, did? I don't, I don't remember. I When we were at uh, Pover and Bitchkill's house, I, um, I just... My thing is, you know that's my perspective but I know there's thousands of people elsewhere who have a similar perspective where just because of BMX and riding you know you've helped them out whereas you, you know you've been helped out in the past but you've helped out so many people and that that's trickled down like you look at you have lifetime people you have lifetime S&M dudes like Ian's slightly different because he broke off to do his own thing but like you know you think of Fids yeah he's still,
2: of, still repping the shield all the time
1: and you know him, him coming here and you picking him up. I mean, I I was here during that trip, so it's well, it's you know, SNM a brand that's you know still run by the same
2: guy. You know, I'm still doing it just like I was in the beginning, and that's you can't really say that for so no. many of these other brands that are. Well, because
1: and also not a lot of people know this, but there've been at least one time where an option has come up where somebody's coming and said, Chris. Okay, S&M, whole package and caboodle, what are we talking? Now, I, I, you know, I know the story because I was around that time and I kind of know the figures, but go into a little bit of uh, the specialized thing.
2: Yeah, well, I, wanna I know mean, about that, yeah. That was probably that's before we moved into this building, so it would have been mid nineties,
0: ninety five. So everything was coming back up again, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: and you know, S and M's got a pretty high profile team. It kind all of just, Puma, the Puma S and M Puma team. So you know, Chris Bennett, Sean Butler, you know, TJ, all these guys. TJ for
1: six months for right.
2: for a minute, yeah. So I mean, I think they were looking for a, a way to. Uh, I think Specialized might have been looking for a way to get into that core uh, market. Uh, but I knew it w- it wouldn't have worked out, you know. So, yeah, they, they, in a roundabout way, expressed interest in maybe having s come under their umbrella and maybe have me run it, but probably from up there or something in Northern California. I don't know. But I can't really remember what the figures were. I mean, I think it might have been like a million, two million, two million bucks. Um, we haven't started Fit yet. This was back in the mid-90s. It wouldn't have worked. Um, it would have just have been a giant nightmare. I mean, I'd already done that with GT for six months, and mm. I got kicked out of my own trade show booth. You know, <laughs> so I, mean, I,
1: I remember one of the stumbling blocks at that point. Um, the, what am I going to? What am I going to do? What was I going to do with that
2: money in the mid nineties if so I wasn't going to take it and, and and run a, a bike Dice. company? Right. All this, I wanted if, if someone was going to give me a large sum of money, all I was going to do with it was take it and spend it on S and M. Mm-hmm. so they're going to give me a large sum of money and then I'm not going to be able to use it for S&M because S&M's part of this umbrella under this umbrella
1: what am I going to do with that money mm-hmm. it's going to be a mess now just, I, 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 I remember one of the stumbling blocks being because of the moves to Northern California the deal you're you money and the initial payment was secure your job was secure as in most of those deals if you buy a company they want you to work for them to bring your expertise yeah. but nobody else in the building nobody else in the building would have any kind of guarantee
2: yeah, of that would have been, that would have been a, a bad deal for me I mean here we are you know 25 years later from that point in time and I mean we've been having, we're doing the same thing we've been doing since day one and we're still having fun and I mean I would have given all that up you know, and, where, and what is specialized doing? I don't, I don't know. I guess mountain bikes.
1: Then they buy the a road. bunch of yeah, seat yeah. tubes yeah, that they yeah. cut out of their Yeah, but right I mean, I,
2: I think the company, I don't know the specifics, but I think the company's, you know, half owned by their Taiwanese Chinese factory. Cool. Mm-hmm. It's just the same old shit, you know? It, mm-hmm. it just, you get into these. Uh, situations where you owe some overseas supplier a bunch of money then they end up owning half the brand or you know whatever and yeah. you give up all your freedom and you just keep chasing your tail around and how many bike brands has this happened to over mm-hmm. the years you know and there's very few that have remained completely true to the original uh you know goal
1: and a lot of people aren't going to turn down that money yeah like a lot of people Even if, even if in their heart they think they should turn down that money, a lot of people aren't going to be able to turn down that money. They're just not going to.
2: I, you know I just I, I've never been that guy I've never been the uh, 9-11 Targa guy or you mm-hmm. remember when Christophe, I remember when Christophe started making a bunch of money when he came over and was riding sheep and somebody told me a sheep one day that Christoph had just bought a $5,000 coffee table <laughs> <laughs> you ever
3: hear about that? <laughs> no, no yeah and I, I don't
2: know if that's I true remember the not. coffee
0: table though yeah yeah he did yeah, yeah. Not, it was ugly as well French, yeah 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 French I remember, style I remember one, saying yeah.
2: I remember telling somebody man if if I ever have a $5,000 coffee table it's going to be a, the biggest piece of shit coffee table it's just going to have five thousand dollars hidden in it, right? <laughs> uh, you know, but I'm not buying a five thousand dollars fucking no, coffee ever, table, ever. And I'm not going to buy ever. a you know no. a uh, turquoise fat boy,
3: right? With a bunch of <laughs> leather, you know, tassels hanging off, <laughs> right? And, yeah.
2: and I don't want a nine eleven, <laughs> and I, I don't want a you know a target top, and I don't want a fucking Lambo door <laughs> yeah. or whatever the hell. I don't know what all these guys are buying. You know, I never wanted any of that. So I still don't want any of that, <laughs> right? Stuff. Right. So
1: now that, th- this kind of goes hand in hand with you know you've got you know Timmy downstairs has been here
2: forever oh 20 20 years
1: like uh, you know I remember Jason first coming here and meeting him for the first time but like he's here you know he's here every time I come here he's maybe 25 years actually it has got to be up there yeah he probably started in 90 uh, uh, you've, 92 you've, you've looked after employees who've been there and a lot of people you know a lot of industry people have come in and cut their teeth and learned stuff in it oh yeah this people, is
2: like this is a school BMX right here if you want to start your own brand you just come get a job here yeah. Jimmy, and then you go, Jimmy. All
1: yeah, right. So another thing that you've done with your team riders is we spoke about it. You spoke about it earlier with with the Chuck Robinson and and, and creating a superstar and then maybe getting a bit of money to put it onto a factory team. Down to the last person, and it's funny because people tell me this story about their own personal experience, and I've heard it from everywhere. So SM and M riders, S has that image; they become popular. At some point, some of those dudes, a big company comes in and says, hey, we're really interested in you. BMX has got a new TV thing, rating, like, we, you know, we're a big bike company. There's outside sponsors. We can do this. We can do this. Now, every single rider who's rode for S&M, who's come to that position, who I know of, has come to you, you've told them exactly the same thing.
2: Well, back in back in those days when I didn't have any resources, I didn't have any money, I didn't have i didn't i wasn't able to pay them uh yeah i would just tell them hey you gotta you gotta take that deal uh and then when that gravy train comes to a halt because it's going to you know when gary fisher gets out of bmx then you know you just come back and get back on the team and a lot of people have done that i mean but i haven't been in that position in a long time i've been able to pay people you know now for probably geez 20 years Mm -hmm. i've been able to pay people and we have gotten into little bidding wars with people and sometimes I'll let people just – I'll just let them know I'm not interested in getting into that with them, you know, um, because there's more to writing for us than just, you know, is it 1000 a month or is it, you know, 1100 a month? A mm-hmm. You know, is its is it 500 a month or is it 600 a month? Mm-hmm. We're going to be around, you yeah. know. Uh, I mean, look on the fit side of things with Foster. How you know, when we got Foster on Fit back in 2001, and the Schwinn deal was starting to, you know, peter out. People thought he was crazy to come ride for, you know, essentially ride for S and M bikes, but mm-hmm. he did okay on that deal because, you know, he's still on Fit.
3: Mm-hmm. Long time. I, and
2: this was, and this was 17 years ago. Yeah. Oh no, almost. Fit's almost 20 years old. Wow. 99 to, you know, we started in 99, so it's almost 20 years old. Um, So, I I mean, I think he knew, you know, on some level that that was going to be the case. These other companies, it's sort of like, uh, or I mean, look at your look at yourself, Dale. How many nerve. different different brands? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, These yeah. guys come in, and yeah. then it's a different deal. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah, you get on nerve, and you're making a couple grand a month, and you've got a big budget and everything else. But you know, deep down, that that deal's only going to go. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish
0: you did, and then you also got to look out for the new kids yeah. coming to take your spot as well. You know, right so. when you're
2: you know when you get on Park Prix, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> or you're running Park, yeah. Pro Forks. Uh,
3: right.
2: I mean, there's just some deals. <laughs> right. that are all about the yeah, all about the. the Check.
3: Yeah, Yeah, you know, yeah. And
1: I I don't have a problem with that. Well no, because mm-hmm. you've 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 gone through you've gone through the I just yeah. need to make money to get to the next yeah. race. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't have a problem with I, that. I, 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 mean, I, I, I just think you have to
2: know, you know, what you're getting into when you do when you yes. do one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and that's true. It's a all of look.
1: those dudes, all of those dudes, pretty much word for word, the fact that I mean and not only just saying it, but you know, walking walking the walk as well as talking the talk, saying to those dudes, get it, go sign the deal. Yeah will be here and then all of them all of them coming back and riding for S&M and
0: and they are all still I mean all the 90s our guys we would all come up here and get bars and stems and right. folks from you and that so you still get in well on
2: a sponsorship level I mean what my ultimate goal is with any sponsored rider is to make that rider and the brand synonymous so whether that's Dave Climber and s and M, I I mean Dave Climber rode for TNT you know but does anyone nobody, nobody really remembers remember that, that. No. you remember Dave Clymer and S&M um you know, I want to make the rider synonymous with the brand. That, at the end of the day, that's my ultimate goal, if mm-hmm. I can pull that off. Um, <clears throat> but if I want to help out and work with a bunch of other guys, whether it be you, Dale, or whoever with bars and stems, I'm always up for doing that, too. Yeah. You know, that's just a way to be a part of what they're doing, help out, um, get some recognition of the, the the logo on the gate, whatever. But when it comes to guys that you're trying to do a deal with, you really want to try and make the, the rider synonymous Set. with the brand. And in my opinion all these big brands that come into the sport for two years and they've got other goals. Mm-hmm. They've got other reasons for doing what they, what they do. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me to do a big money deal with a guy that's going to be two years. You know, I'm trying to get guys that are going to be around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's just, that's just a different way of running a brand. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I look at brands <laughs> like Redline and think, man, if I was in charge of Redline, and I don't know who's in charge of red at this point. Um, if anyone is, I saw Roop's on Redline. Yeah, line Roop's now, back on But that, I don't yeah. know who's in charge of it. No. But like, I mean, talk about a brand that has so much heritage, but has never really, they just don't really take advantage of it. And mm-hmm. they haven't, you know, like take Bubba Harris when he was on Redline. Mm-hmm. And he kind of unceremoniously just mm-hmm. is off Redline.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems weird to me. Yeah.
1: Mm.
2: You know, or it just seems weird to me. I, I just,
1: That brand has such strong heritage.
2: Yeah, I just feel like when someone's running a brand that has no passion for it, right. has no heart in it, it just it just it, it's obvious. Right. I mean, like, it, who's in charge of this brand, you know? I mean, yeah, who's in charge of Redline? Yeah. I, fuck, I, I have no I idea. Yet. Gork, I think when Gork was in charge of it, it made it, it was it, making it, sense. Yeah, I, I maybe mean, when like, Chuck was doing it himself, it was making or Lynn Caston was yeah. in charge. What do you?
0: Of it. What do you? I mean, I know we're jumping a little bit forward, and we can still go back and, and, and hit some other things. But what do you see now? I mean, racing. What do you? What? What? Are you? Well,
2: in- I mean, I, I I love racing, and I I I think the new like the supercross version of the Olympic racing. I mean, I think it's it's pretty hairy, mm-hmm. you know. um I like the the fear aspect, the speed, the big jumps, but I also like the the contact and the more of the aggressive riding that went on in BMX when the consequences weren't mm-hmm. so severe. I mean, now if you if you don't get through, you know the turn right,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you're done. Yeah, you're not going to yeah, make the next jump because the next jump is like
1: death-defying gap. Right. You know? So no, you can't bump each other. Right, and if, and, you, if you cut somebody off, you're risking ruining your next strike.
2: Right, and I think the whole sport's been kind of moving there for a while. It started with the clips because everybody had to single file, you know, on mm-hmm. the clips because if you bump, you're going to unclip. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: so it, I I thought about this, you know, a few times, and um, what I like what I like in the in the race side of things in the early you know kind of mid 80s was my favorite era I liked the um, I liked the rivalries mm-hmm. you know I like this guy versus that guy like Ronnie and Pete <laughs> yeah, going yeah. At, you know yeah, a lot of that was the was the media coverage of it letting you know what was going on right it's kind of hard nowadays you've got you got forty different dudes in superclass or what do they call it superclass elite. elite. So you got forty guys in the elite. They're from like twenty different countries. Now. Right. Everybody's in a full face helmet with goggles. They all kind of look the same. hmm uh, I mean you get like the the the, the Maris, you know, guy I mean, that's bigger than everyone and it's just obviously you know, that guy, but right. you know, these other five nine to five eleven dudes with the full face and the goggles right, and yeah. that brightly colored, you know, uniform. I can't tell who's who. Right. I don't really know who's who, which is kind of a bummer mm-hmm. for me because I I like, you know, oh, Ronnie was in the all-white 09. Right. Know, and Pete was in the CW jersey, and these guys are going to fight.
3: Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: They're, yeah. They're going to fight. I mm-hmm. mean, you just got to watch these two guys, and there's going to be a fight. Right. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> I like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've thought about this. I think the sport could use – I like the big hill. I like the big jumps, but I – I feel like they need to mix it up a little bit more, you know. And I, well, there's just
1: just bold bold turns where you're risking your own race and the def- the other person. Yeah. And what what I noticed in the C++, that that move where people come out at first turn and then just push somebody so they can't do the next stretch. Yeah yeah, 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 it's, it's hairy. Hair. I mean, What's it's that? it's it's freaking hairy. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: it looks like people are going thirty are they going 30 35
0: they're going fast yeah some of these tracks and they're, they're like yeah, yeah. pushing
2: through everything and the bike is like you know the stand over the bike is four inches and doesn't really have a seat and the thing's made out of carbon fiber i mean the the whole thing is just hairy to me it's definitely different than uh than bmx
0: on the you know dirt starting hill
2: mm. just, and the flat turn you know
0: what about the image? You know the way that you know the seat pose. I know you always add a little laugh at the, the shorts. I mean, I, I I laugh about it, but I mean it's yeah.
2: whatever. It is what it is. I mean, if you're if you're gonna be out there trying to, you know, make ends meet on the BMX track, win races, be an amateur, top amateur, pro, whatever. I mean, it's definitely helpful to put the seat up and you know let the uh, <laughs> let the the. Acid uh, disperse <laughs> out of your
0: quadriceps, right?
3: I
2: mean, is that what's
0: happening? Is that <laughs> what's going on? It's something like that, acid, yeah. You know, yeah. That. You exactly I'm not a qualified exactly. coach, so oh, I can't yeah. tell you the right, yeah. the right well, wording. Yeah. You know?
2: I've seen a lot of acid build up on <laughs> right. our team through the years. I wasn't lactic yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, <it> no. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I go pedal around. I still race. I go pedal around in the. You you know. Well weekend. I yeah, see I you guys. Yeah, it's a state race, yeah. Yeah, so I go pedal around a little bit. I don't. So you know, I don't pe- have a I don't have a an additional seat pose for right. a water bottle cage on the back or <laughs> so whatever well, but some people I, know, I do pedal
1: around. Some people won't know this. You raced that pro, had a period there, then you had a period of time off and then uh, then you came back. So why what instigated the, the couple of years where you really weren't doing much?
2: well i mean at, at one point i had my hip replaced right now not a lot of people in the board yeah right. no i had a hip replacement at some part but probably like six years ago or something so that was a couple of years that was a solid year off of doing anything physical really but once that started to you know once i started you know rehabbing from that and I came back from that and started feeling good on the bike um i love racing i still see, race with start- flats though i mean i still ride a chrome ollie bike mm-hmm. my surf, bike's heavy right. yeah i surf skate you know ride dirt bikes all this other stuff but uh I uh, I still ride a chromoly bike. It's not, uh, you know, I lighten it up any way I can, but I'm not going to get off a chromoly frame and fork, you know. So, I'm, you know, my bike's probably twenty twenty two 22 pounds, uh, but I ride flat pedals. That puts you at a distinct disadvantage. Uh, just recently started racing Expert again which is a totally different level. Mm-hmm. When you're out racing, you know, 46 to 50 intermediate, mm-hmm. um, you're having some good battles with Randy Lawrence,
0: <laughs> right. But yeah. he's on flat <laughs> pedals too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: we're like, you know, kind of right, kinda yeah, right yeah. there, it's but then I but yeah. then I moved into the expert class. got the are serious, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I make I've made some mains at the Nationals, but it's I'm on flat pedals and I'm the only one out there in 46 experts And we're not seeing any training
0: now. videos on Facebook or Instagram No,
2: I mean, I keep myself yeah. in shape but right. I'm
1: definitely not uh, doing, you know, plyometrics who's, who's, who's Clayton John was this era who came up and was like Congrats, Chris! Uh, You've yeah. gone expert.
3: I did it oh No, that's yeah, that a funny yeah. thing. I turned myself right right yeah. when
2: I got yeah. inducted into the Hall of Fame. They gave me a lifetime membership. I never right. have to buy membership again. It's yes. a lifetime, it's free. Right. But it says intermediate on it. Right. So even this weekend when I raced on Saturday, I, I give them the card. I say right. it says intermediate, but right. I'm actually expert. And then, but she, this lady has no this this girl has no idea that I've been right. racing forever. Oh. So, she, so she says, you know hey uh <laughs> hey matt, matt <laughs> i got a guy here whose card says intermediate right. but he's saying that he wants to race expert
0: <laughs> what what a what he claims his hall of fame as well
2: what should i do and i heard him say well I mean, does he want to race expert? Yeah, he he wants to race expert. Okay, well, uh, just uh, just let him race expert then. Right. You know? So then uh, I pull out my credit card, and and she says. Oh, yeah, sorry. We, uh, we don't take credit cards. It's cash only. <laughs> oh, this sport, man. It's just, it, you gotta be kidding me. Right. It's 2018. Time- yeah. I'm trying to race the state, you know, the, the double pointer <laughs> mm-hmm. out at, you know, Bellflower. <laughs> you can't even say X. They don't right. take credit cards.
3: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think, you're right. Back, it's like 1981 mm-hmm. all over Next again, time. you know? And then I go to the moto sheet on Saturday. Guess who's in my moto? Billy Griggs <laughs> on a Saturday,
3: right.
0: <laughs> like right. a double pointer. Right. Dad,
2: it's it's insane, like, man. This is insane. What is mm. Billy Griggs? And I hear a couple other guys go, "I haven't even seen Billy Griggs." Billy Griggs isn't even here, and I thought, I haven't seen Billy all day. Right? Because Billy Griggs just shows up like five minutes before the race starts, right. and he Straight just gets on the gate. On the gate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a state race. Right? Awesome. That's pretty
1: awesome. Yeah. I mean, for somebody with that career, I mean, yeah. and it's the, it's the same with you. The fact that you, like I said, the fact that you raced last weekend, it, you know, he's insane. You, yeah. You, well, I mean, I like racing. I, I think it's fun, and um, I'm not surprised after 36 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, you, you know it's. You'd
2: yeah start. I mean I'm, I'm not I'm not serious about it like the other I mean when I went to Vegas a couple months ago I couldn't a 40 40 you know I'm thinking 46 and over expert mm-hmm. sure the guys ride good but man I mean Sean O'Gorman still got the weight
0: belt Sweet. on yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet, he's, got
2: he's got a yeah he does he's right. got a
0: weight belt on Sweet, he's, got
2: like, he's wearing the weight yeah, belt I him. Yeah, on yeah, the right. track right you know that someone's right. you know serious with yeah I mean, that's that's Terry T <laughs> okay. Have you ever raced in a weight belt? I haven't. i no. don't even lift weights in a
1: weight belt, right? No, I mean, no, 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 they, no. Europe had the fake ones for a while. They had the neoprene. Uh, who were the? Neoprene? Well,
0: Bill Prince did them, did they? Yeah, uh, they get like away, get away, like, yeah. yeah.
2: That was the early nineties. Is this a kidney belt or is it a weight? You know, the I don't kidney, know what's yeah. going it's on. It's not but, a weight belt, but it
0: looks like. Well, it's can, didn't Kenny may use one. He didn't yeah, a lot of the guys had them. These
2: guys are. These guys are deadly serious right. and they're like 50 yeah, years old yeah, now yeah. They now they have a
0: 51 and
2: oh they have 51 and over expert. Mm-hmm. and then you know that's going to turn into oh yeah 65 right <clears throat> it's crazy we're talking about this because when i was flipping through a bunch of crap i have in my office uh, working on this book i found an aba paper from 1987 the aba grants 1987 the oldest amateur class and the oldest open class um, and somehow I managed to make both mains in 1987. It was 17 and over expert wow. and, se- and 16 and over open. Such a young sport. That was Wanted it. Them, yeah. that was that's, s- that's insane. 17 and over
0: expert. Now there's 51 and over. Now there's
2: 51 and over expert. I think there's like... But they still don't take credit cards. <laughs>
0: you know? let's, let's just pause par- uh, press pause it real
2: quick there. Oh, I mean, uh, funny, funny race story about uh, mental uh, confidence or, or getting, you know, like the little mind game people mind games people play with themselves when I was at GT as a kid I remember uh, Greg Hill he was on Robinson he'd had a horrible weekend um, oh he asked Gary Turner to build him a custom frame because he rode these giant back ends you uh-huh. know, like super long back ends he asked Gary to build him a custom frame Gary built him the frame but Gary built him two frames then he, but he didn't tell I don't think he told Greg he built two frames he gave Greg the frame Greg went out had a terrible weekend came back and said oh you know the bottom bracket is you know an eighth of an inch too low <laughs> or, the head angle is a degree half a degree off or mm-hmm. some shit and Gary said okay well let me, let me you know work, well, let me work up a new one whatever and gave him the other one same one same thing and then he went out and had like a great weekend won everything and he said <laughs> we nailed it it was a perfect frame you know it's the same frame oh man all oh, man yeah oh, man. but he, he thinks it's a different frame so you yeah, know it maybe it is
1: I, so the, the hip thing just just quickly briefly on that like how amazing is it like to be able to still now surf ride do yeah. flat track racing well you know what happened with my hip
2: uh, years and years ago on some props trip I did a a fakie wall ride somewhere back east and I i came back i hung up a front wheel on the ramp i went straight to my to my ass um and i guess what happened i found out later i never never went and got x-rays never got mris never got anything i just kind of let the pain go away and then i just always had this uh hip pain you know and then it got worse and worse and worse over the years and probably 10 plus years i struggled with this it was hard to ride it was in pain all the time um so I finally decided you know I've got to go get this checked out and what had happened when I crashed that day I broke my pelvis, I also broke my femur, but I never got like I said, I never had it checked out, I never had it treated so when I broke the femur, the top kind of rolled over, and then the pelvis cracked, but eventually these things healed, but the femur never healed in the right place, so that the 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 pelvis and the and the femur never went together right, so it just it ground away all the cartilage, and it was just bone on bone, so all through the like 90s all this vet pro racing all this i'd already had this problem i was a mess for a long time so i eventually went in and got it checked out and they said yeah you're you've you've ruined it you've ruined your hip you know so they cut it off cut the cut the femur off and you know put this whole fake titanium hip in there all these different pieces and whatever and man it's it's good as new it's good as new and then my other one which is a little messed up too from similar injuries um recently went to go see a the same surgeon and i said what do you think i should do with this one and he said well i think that one we can get another 10 years out of if you do this this and this and it basically is just stretching mm-hmm. you know so he sent me to a pt they showed me the stretching program i started doing the stretching program which i do every day and, and now that one's good so i'll probably get another 10 years out of that one but um man if the, all those injuries through the years that you know i've had and i'm sure you guys have had too some of them i got treated you know some of them i didn't um, but I wish I could go back now and treat, get mm-hmm. all those checked out as right. soon as they happened and then get them treated because I've got broken wrists, broken ankles. You know, the only things I've ever gotten fixed were the, the hip replacement, ACL replacements, a um, couple broken bones, that kind of thing, um, hernias, like those little things. But wrists, whatever, I mean, I'm still dealing with all those. I never had them checked out or fixed. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. But, you know, when you're on a budget and you're trying to, you know, make ends meet with the company, and you don't have health insurance and whatever. And the last thing, and the last thing you're thinking when you hurt your wrist is, oh, I got to go get an MRI. Yes, you know. But I mean, look at my thumb. Look at this thumb. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Compare that thumb. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So which ones? Which one's right? Right. Yes. This one's right. Yeah. This one's messed up. It's right. like permanently you know yeah. yeah. Hey, look
1: there's a hundred bucks for a 360 to be on and it's right. not gonna, gonna pay for hospital you're exactly. not worried about
0: that back then are you? obviously the injuries no nah, nah,
2: but you know
1: what
0: do you um, how do you see BMX right now as an industry
2: uh, I, I mean I think the, the the dirt you know freestyle street that side of things is, is healthy it's fine a lot of smaller brands you know more grassroots brands which is just fine with me um, everybody that's doing it, I think, uh, loves it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the race side of things just seems like a total quagmire to me. Uh, there's so many tiny little outfits. I can't really make sense of, you know, exactly what's going on. You don't have the, you know, handful of big teams that you used to have, the big manufacturers. You know, used to have, you know, in the 80s it was Mongoose and GT and Redline and Diamondback. And you could name them, You could count them all in two hands. But all of them were selling a bunch of bikes.
1: And a massive present.
2: Yeah. But I don't think racing right now sells the bike at the shop. I think the kid at the shop buys a fit bike. Mm-hmm. You know, he buys a complete fit bike. And he's buying that based off of you know, street riding and, and – well, primarily street riding.
1: They're watching um, the internet. They're watching what's out there on the right. internet and deciding which they like. The but I
2: don't bike. know how many... You know, I, I like this club uh, race thing that USA BMX is doing right now where they've got the class for the bike that's really cheap. Mm. They're doing it at select tracks. I, I don't know all the details, but mm-hmm. basically seems to me like you can come to the track and street clothes as long as you have a helmet and you've got a regular bike, bike. and you can get out there and race. Mm. Because I'm not seeing... Uh, these bikes that people race in the bike shop no yeah i'm just saying period yeah i they seem really uh elusive you know Mm -hmm. i I don't know and they're very specialized
0: right yeah yeah do you think it's too elitist now you know high in racing
3: yeah
2: i mean i think it's it's just a different thing it's like velodrome racing you know it's uh you've got very talented athletes and um you know they're riding really good equipment uh it's very specific courses it's just like a it's like a velodrome race. Mm-hmm. You know how, how many people are, you know, riding around on uh, you know real velodrome bikes. I mean, maybe the fixie thing got popular with hipsters for a minute, but
1: it's good. just
2: a very specialized. I mean, BMX is in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. It actually happened, mm-hmm. and now you're dealing with everything that comes along with people thinking their eight year old's going to be in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a blessing and a curse at the same time. Very you know, when when BMX was in a field. And there was a guy, like, waving a flag, and everybody took off on their Stingray, and they were just trying to be motocross racers. It was, you know, it was on. You know, Dad was going to chop up the Stingray and make it a straight top tube and weld up a shopping cart into a handlebar or whatever the hell they were doing, you know? Now, all of a sudden, it's like... Man, this is this is real, dude. My, disc, this is my, my there's aerodynamics my disc, involved, right? Yeah, my, yeah disc, I
1: mean, my disc brake that I'm about to replace was yeah. seven hundred dollars or something. I just oh yeah, made. you're gonna
2: yeah, you've got a disc brake and you've it, do you, do you carbon think those fiber. Things are, I mean, do you think it's a those whole things thing.
1: are coming for freestyle as well. Do you think that's gonna some of those those problematic issues are gonna happen for freestyle?
2: Uh, I mean, I think the story about how BMX racing got in the Olympics is funny. You right? Know, people it's tell me freestyle. it was an accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be a freestyle. Uh, I mean. You know, I'm going to do the quotes here with my hands when I say freestyle because that's not really our brand of riding here at S&M or Fit Bikes. Um, We're more about guys that, you know, ride street or that ride dirt. We're not really about, you know, freestyle. Uh, We're not not about organized events, competitions. competitions. We're, you know, that kind of thing anyway. So it's just not even our world. Uh, But I think you'll have a specialized type of rider that'll be doing freestyle in the Olympics and it's not going to be much different from any other Olympic sport. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to devote their life to being the best that they can be at at that, and they're going to be at the training center and doing this and doing that. And that's just a whole nother that's a whole another side of the bike riding world than we're involved in yeah. here. We're more about you know lifestyle, like kids that ride bikes because. They've got a you know, messed up home or you know they didn't fit in on the baseball team or whatever. Um, and then they start getting better at it and then maybe they make something more out of it than that. But I would say most of our customers are just regular kids that, got a, that have to scrounge up some money by any means necessary to get a bike so they can go out and have fun with their, with their boys. Mm-hmm. That, that's, who's, that's who's keeping us in business. Nobody at the Olympic level. Is keeping us in business,
3: <laughs>
0: you know.
1: He says he wants to race X.
0: <laughs> do you think um, if if you were given the keys to hey, oh, the hey, Chris, we need you to help make BMX. You know, you made your hat a few years ago. Make yeah, BMX great again. If you you know make BMX racing great again, what would you do?
2: Well, I think it's a huge bummer when I make it to a handful of nationals a year and there's no real pro class. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's a huge bummer. And I said, "What? What do you mean? Said, oh, this isn't a pro race. It's a national, but it's not a pro race. And why is that? Oh, because there's 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 thirty six nationals now mm-hmm. every year, and the pros don't want to. You know, granted, they you know, I understand that they don't want to. They want to train more often and then race less often, and I get that. Um, but for me, that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, so.
1: I think that's a negative. I think with any with any sport, yes, the elite probably want to do their 18 events a year and really focus, and if it's an Olympic year, they want to get ready. But I think it would also be nice if there's a bunch of pros who can actually earn a couple of thousand oh, bucks. Or two different yeah. paths,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. just,
1: so, you know... Well, you know, what's interesting is there is, you know, I'll say Reno
2: a couple of months ago, January, I think, I no, Vegas. I went to Vegas um, in January, I think. There was a pro class.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, they still do pro opens, yeah. But there was only one elite level pro there. I can't remember who it was, but I mean, this guy just was on another level. I mean, he was clearly, clearly on another level. Mm -hmm. Like he won every, they ran three mains that day. And I think he was like you know thirty feet mm-hmm. ahead of all of them. He's on a totally different level. Um, I don't know if I if I if I was in charge of it, I would probably. I mean. Things have gotten to where they are, and it would be really hard to take a drastic turn away from them without everybody just losing their minds. Right. You know, they're not going to deviate from the bike setup. They're not going to come off the clips. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going back to flat pedals. Mm-hmm. So people are going to ride in a different way. Now, ever since they clipped in, they started riding in a different way. Everybody's going to rail the berm, you know? Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> they're not going to go in low. And bang into some dude because they're not gonna be able to get back up to speed again and not gonna be able to jump the next jump or whatever. So it's it's you can't kill the momentum. Everybody's gonna single file out all the time. I just don't think you can change it. You can't throw a flat corner at the end of the track or, or whatever. Right. And the funny thing is back then we bitched about all this stuff. We wanted bigger jumps. Yeah, but they've wanted- kind of given everybody what everybody'd been bitching about (laughs) but they did it with like a weird tweak right nobody anticipated
0: right
3: yeah you know
2: what we were kind of saying was like hey let's have a you know a decent size starting hill is nice with a steeper pad that's that's cool let's get up to speed let's hit some jumps but then let's make some turns that you could high low in you could dice in you could do different things in everyone didn't have to follow the leader and then it wasn't just you know Pumping up your tire, going down uh, 400 rollers, and a a straightaway's got 30 rollers in it. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's just kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. it's bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Um, I've thought about that. I I don't think you could do anything about it at this point because Mm -hmm. the kids, the top riders that are 19, 20, whatever, they they grew up. Yeah, that's that's all they know. Was in front of them. Yeah. I know know the sport is not, BMX is not an easy sport. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's one thing I like about still going out and doing it is that it gives me a, a greater appreciation for it, how difficult it is I mean when I was out there this weekend I man I just I was gassed I mean I tried to race two classes it was hot tracks long it was like a 1400 foot long track and I was like just I was like gassed it's like geez this is a it's a tough sport mm-hmm. you know and it does breed some like really good athletes that can then go on and do you know whatever they want um so I don't know. I don't think I would change it. I, I don't even. I don't bitch about it. I, uh, I'm sure if I was involved in it as as heavily as I was back when I was, you know, in my teens and early twenties, I would know who the pros were. I would know that there were rivalries. I would know that this dude's gonna punch that dude in the face oh, as yeah. soon as they get in the parking lot. And there probably is the same stuff going on now as there was back then. Yeah. You just tend to live in the past when you're older. Oh, go, oh yeah, you remember yeah. when right. Pete and <laughs> and Ronnie, you know, but now these guys are like, oh, well, you know, Stenberg and, you know, <laughs> and Memberg <laughs> are doing the yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. I just don't know about it. Right. And I don't know why they're wearing goggles. <laughs> right. That's the other thing I can't figure out. Right. You know, yeah, as yeah. a dirt
1: bike guy, yeah. you got goggles on because the guy in front of you is kicking kick yeah, a bunch really, of mud in your, yes. your face. Right. My my, thi- my thing is, the only thing I can think, the only reason I can think why everybody has it is... Contingencies. Well, no, not even
2: that. Not even that. Well, I asked like, my buddy the other day, I go, dude, uh, he rides a chrome ollie bike, flat pedals, S&M guy, but he wears the goggles, the big giant, you know, mm-hmm. iridium goggles. Yeah. So the Instagram shop. Yeah, and I said, dude, what is, what's going on? You've got to tell me what's going on with the goggles. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't understand the goggles. You know, like, <clears throat> are we talking about a, like a lever, brake lever in the eye or something? Right, Why right. are we wearing the goggles? You know, and he, and he said, well, just, you know, I don't have dust. You know, and there's no dust in my We've been out like that, there for they're, 40 they're, seconds. They're doing, you know? it,
1: they're doing it because all the pros are doing it. I think, I don't know, I don't know, but I don't know what it feels like to hit the bottom of that hill. At that oh, speed. see that might
2: be that might be a good point. When you're right. riding the real track, like those guys are. You might need goggles. Yeah, right. So a, now the
1: thing is, those you guys, might
2: get a like a, a,
0: a wasp in the eye, right?
2: So I'm like, you
1: know, no, I'm just thinking of your eyes watering because you fucking yeah. going. No, far. yeah, that's that's a for,
0: good. No, way. they're doing it for the look. You know, but you anyway, guys it, making a couple bucks, no, but there's the no continuities. There's no. Uh, it's just a moto look. Yeah, it's a moto. Well, look. you know what's yeah, worse? You know what's worse
2: than people wearing goggles now? In the 80s, when people put goggles on their helmet. Right, right. But didn't wear goggles. What's right. worse than wearing right. goggles? Not wearing Terry goggles. Terry T.
1: Yeah. I mean, every, <laughs> so I many
2: people I used to do yeah. that. Why? Mm.
1: Because the pros did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The pros are doing it. They're on contingency. I'm so gonna... I, I never understood that as right. a kid I was like, do they keep
2: them up there just in case they get on the gate and then realize? Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do <laughs> you I do need them? Right. Like, like they assess the situation when they right. get Is that buzzing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the wasps. Yeah. Oh, the dust, <laughs> the dust seems to have settled, you know. Right? Or is there a glare?
0: Is there a glare coming <laughs> right. in? Right. I think it's just something? Terry T did it, so everyone did it, you know. <laughs> I did it because oh, all
3: the, oh. Side, all the yeah. There he like, is. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. looking I at a magazine now with Terry T. Did it. MCS got the goggles on the on the uh, on the top and two fifty on the crit plate and the jo- and the mouth guard. Right. Again,
1: There's no rocks.
0: Right. No yeah, one's yeah. Getting
1: hit with a rock. Right. Yeah. The mouth guard for me was a rule. I never wore it. Well we had I to, had yeah. To,
0: in MBL, I think he was it ABA you didn't have to, NBL you needed to, and then in, in Europe we needed one. Yeah. So
2: I mean, bottom line, people always talk about what do you think about BMX now? Whatever. You know what? It, it is it's the same shit. It's the same mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, it's the same country. shit, yeah. Different, different. Like, you know, people I hear people bitching about everything, you know, oh the side plates. You know, now they're bitching they have to have a side plate, but there was a point in time when they wanted to have a side plate. Yeah. Right.
1: Mirage. So thousands of them Well I don't know if
2: you know know,
0: But they're coming back in You have to You have to have You have to have the uh, But now it's on the frame Yeah yeah
2: yeah You know Mm. And somebody was telling me The other day you know So and so rides a cruiser With a fender Because he doesn't Mm. like Getting his you know Ass stuck on the tire Mm -hmm. Mm. Lots of people have done that Through the years A banana seat Eric Carter wrote a banana seat Yeah
0: Right, same things, shit. Things so what they, do I think
2: about BMX now? I mean, I think it's good. I think it's yeah. the same as it's always right, right. Yeah, been. and big, it's never going to change.
1: Right. See, I still think he's goggles on top of his helmet. I think that yeah. looks cool. Yeah. Even yeah, now, it does look.
2: It does look cool. I just, like that's. But you I just think. like it because it takes you back to. Your era, You yeah, know, yeah, exactly. yeah. twenty it. years from now, a couple of dudes that are racing, you know, seriously, right now in 2018, are going to be having a conversation about how they liked it, but when the helmet still had a visor, yeah, yeah, because twenty years from now, it's not even going to have a visor.
1: We'll, and the whole, right, you know what? The whole helmet is yeah, just gonna yeah. look. It's gonna aerodynamic. Be, it's gonna dynamic. be like pointy in the front, right? Oh, yeah, 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 it, And it'll be like Black Panther. Yeah, you just press your button here, and it will just go. <laughs> yeah, like all that stuff. You know. So I don't know. My I, thing is, I quite, I quite like it now, and I like the fact that with technology, if there's a big race chances are you can watch it live i watched yeah, all those world cups cool. live azerbaijan you weren't meant to be able to watch that live um unless it was going through a tv station in your country and the uci had so many complaints they ended up opening three live feeds. so yeah. i watched i watched all those films admittedly it was an azerbaijani guy talking so i didn't understand it but i watched all those
2: so tell me this i mean i know i'm, I'm supposed to be the one getting interviewed here but uh what happens out there in these elite level, you know, Olympic level races when a guy, is there a guy out there that's a, prone to banging a little bit too much in the corner and, and messing the other guys up?
0: Yeah, it. no, you know, I'm sure there is, and I know and a little so bit, but up. it's nothing like, yeah, the 80s and 90s guys yeah. who were known for, you know, being a dirty rider or an See, aggressive rider. I mean, you does know? that guy get just a load of crap? from everybody. Uh, yeah, I I just don't think he's, he's not really doing anything that bad. Yeah, yeah there's a few well, guys thing, that dive and stuff, but well, yeah, yeah there's not really that guy. I don't Remember
2: think. how it used to be in the 80s. I know in the in the late 80s and I got into that AA class for a little bit. Um there was so many unspoken rules on the track. Right. Right? It was all the guys that went to Applebee's or, right, or Chili's yeah. or some other, you know, right. bad family restaurant after the races together. Right. They, were all a whole, they were a whole group, and, and they'd they, all yeah. decided that nobody was going to stand up after the last jump. They were going to sit down right. to the finish line. And then someone like me that just needs yeah. the money wants right. Right, 75 bucks. Real bad. Right. Pedal my ass off all the way to the line and right. pass a couple of dudes that are sitting down. Yeah. And then they'd
0: give you a talking to. Right. Well that even an area I mean Bubba Harris said I did a little podcast with Bubba about six months ago and he said the same thing when he was coming in we were we were aging out, you know, myself, yeah. Romero, um, Richardson and stuff, and the same thing we kinda Kind of, a, it got to the point where we were just all kind of filing in and going down the last straight. and Then yeah, we Bubba and your Mike way to Applebee's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we went to Macaroni Applebee's. Grill. But <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> same yeah. thing, right? But same shit. But then we had like Mike Day, Bubba coming in, and some yeah, of these They don't want to go They're like, f that grill. man. No, we yeah. want to hang out with you guys. We want, we want your rides. We yeah. want your money. And 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 they're going to go to McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, and still beat you. Yeah, you know. So Kyle Bennett, you know, people, I so much car, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that happened even in our area, you know. But
2: so I mean, that's probably still happening now, right? out there, mm. you know? I mean, you guys got to go... It's it's something to be said for a group of guys that they're competing, but they've got to compete with each other on a regular basis, and there's like some rules that are just sort of, mm-hmm. you know, unspoken uh, out there. Yeah, and some guys are going to maybe... You know, like John Purse. Feathers. You remember when John yeah, Purse was yeah. the, when John Purse would you know get out of the elevator with the helmet and the, he had shit. He had the goggles on in the elevator.
3: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, didn't, he
2: didn't even wait to get. I think <laughs> no. he would
1: drive the rental car
3: right with yeah, the yeah, helmet yeah, and yeah, the goggles yeah. on yeah. the race. Yeah, and
1: yeah. I've heard from the race one time as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. like back to the hotel from the race. Like it's already done. You've right. already won. Yeah, and still keeping. Yeah. Back what you what were saying about that thing is like, is there a guy who's like, the guy who's like, oh my God, he's in my moto, oh, he's going to take me out? The consequences with the way the track is now, you can't make that move for fourth from fourth. Well, yeah, he's going to kill himself and as well. That guy yeah. Up yeah. Because yeah. even if you do keep going and manage to get through that next jump, sixth, seventh, and eighth, who just round the corner. Yeah. yeah, the yeah, boy, yeah I watched yeah. that
2: in the Olympics, the final this year, mm-hmm. you know, where who was leading? Nick Long.
0: And he Long. went from like, didn't he go from
1: first to first fourth? To the first yeah. to fourth,
0: yeah, yeah. He could have pedaled on the second turn on the floor, and he kind of lost his momentum, and, the yeah, they started and then going he got, by him. he got
1: just
2: right at the line. There. But yeah. you can just There's tell there that there. it's like a freight train out there. And any yeah, eruption, yeah.
0: And it wasn't a major, you know, it was enough to, yeah, yeah just he couldn't get going again. You're, you're off the train, exactly. It's heck, like he was the guy yeah.
2: that was in uh, Vegas when I was there a few months ago. Okay, yeah. It would have Nick probably Nick would Long. Have been, would Did he ride for
1: been, Haro? Yes, yeah. exactly, yeah. He's yeah. got
2: a little hair. Yeah. <laughs> Or some Tattoos. Or yeah, tattoos, 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 yeah. You yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: just smoke everybody. If, no, you, the- if you're a full-time pro, you're going to beat somebody who's
0: not. Yeah. A question, again, uh, I'm unprofessional of myself. I can't look at the questions from Facebook because it's on the phone and the phone's recording. Right. But I did remember a few of them. Sorry, I, I can't remember what his name. That I know Jason Thompson spoke very mm. highly of it. A lot of your guys commented on, on the oh, Facebook. Cool. But one of the questions was, um, you never made al- aluminium, aluminum? aluminium. Yeah. Uh Why?
2: Uh, i mean i've ridden a few aluminum you know frames through the years uh, I, I don't like the way they ride mm mm-hmm. i mean I always thought they were um, they were too stiff that you know rocks bounce off them they make all kinds of weird noises I never liked the big you know you have to use these big diameter tubes they just look kind of right. kind of kind of funky to me um I just like the way the steel
0: frame rides mm hmm so no yeah, desire much. to ever go down that road carbon obviously is coming in a lot in racing well there. you know
2: we do make aluminum bikes uh, on the fit side of things we make a 12 inch bike that's aluminum we make a 16 inch bike that's aluminum and we, did, we do that to make them light mm-hmm. so the kids can throw them around a little bit easier mm-hmm. um, so we do make aluminum bikes but they're complete bikes for fit and they're only 12 and 16 inch um, on the S&M side of things our race business is so core Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know it's not huge we're not trying to make the most cutting edge frame out there if we were it'd be carbon or you know some composite material
1: carbon
2: yeah it'd weigh two pounds or what? we're not trying to do that right so we're just trying to do what we do and and, um, most of the stuff on that side of things the race side of things comes from me and I just like steel frames I like the way they look I like the way they ride Mm -hmm. and I can deal with a four pound frame and then just lighten the bike up, you know, with your wheels and, you know, some other stuff,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: know. But people think it's weird I ride those DXR cranks. I mean, right. I, I do ride some, you know, weird or more high-tech parts. Mm. But for racing it's, yeah. racing, it's a race bike. But I like having the steel frame and the steel fork, so you gotta, you, you kind of want to lighten it up yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. else. Yeah, a bit here and there, yeah. You know, you don't want to have the big heavy cranks and the heavy, you know, heavier frame and fork. And you don't want to be out there on a 26-pound bike. And be on flat
0: pedals. Right, yeah, yeah. Unless
2: you just like, yeah, you know, yeah. getting beat <laughs> yes. all the time <laughs> yeah. by guys that you just know right. shouldn't be beating you. Yeah.
0: That's why so. like clips kill me. Yeah. Just- what about... um some of the uh some of your heroes over the years, you know, Ray on freestyle
2: Well, I mean, I got everything happened for me so quick. You know, I got went to the track in 82 and then shit by 86 I'm doing us and bikes basically, mm-hmm. you know, business licenses in 87 and then we're off and running. So I had a very short window of uh being just like a, a fan. Yeah, I just kind of got thrown into it early. Yeah. Um but like I said in those first couple of years, I mean, I read the magazines um I liked, you know, I I liked, I liked Richie Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked his, he never got a great start, but he would always, oh, like, yeah. come back. Yeah. So he'd pedal everything and, you know, wheelie everything. Mm-hmm. just rode really well. Um, on the freestyle side of things, I liked the early dudes. You know, I liked uh, Eddie Fiola, you know, riding the pipeline, and uh, Big O and all the parks, Lakewood. Um, so, I mean, it, I was kind of... In the business so quick that I never had a chance to really be, you know, pick all my favorites. Right. But through the years, I just liked anybody that kind of did their own thing, you know? Yeah, So on yeah. the race side of things, I, I, I liked lots of dudes um, that, you know, I, I liked guys that uh, weren't afraid to mix it up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, um, but were still really good. I mean, I think Ronnie Anderson was just un- mm-hmm. unbelievable in his day.
3: Mm-hmm just uh, unbelievable
0: legendary. anyone today any like when you watch the Supercross anyone like you know Connor or Maris or Joris or anybody like that no, no.
2: I, d- I don't I don't I don't I don't have any uh, I'm not pulling for anybody right um, really I'm just totally wide open I'm totally objective on it mm-hmm. I, I'm not close enough to anybody to know anybody's personalities or you know the last kind of crew of guys that I was following it was kind of like Betcher's era yeah yeah and you know their vet pros are maybe even you know like when tyler brown
0: is retiring from vet pro yeah yeah <laughs> uh, uh, you know own. for me th- it's kind of like wow well he's just going into vet pro now yeah yeah he's oh just, he just got into yeah vet yeah pro. but christian bessereen's probably towards yeah. the end now yeah yeah and you obviously know so yeah christian. tyler yeah.
2: brown's a vet pro right that's you know for me that's kind of
1: like wow yeah we're all. Mm-hmm. what's the
2: uh, future for and snm any plans uh, well I mean I think uh, S&M we, we just keep on keeping on doing what, doing what we you do you're going to do this till the end I'm going to do it till it's not fun anymore right you know? and I probably have more fun now than I used to have uh, to be honest and the crew of guys that I have now guys and gals um, I mean there's no drama it's not because um, there were be years of that there was lots of drama yeah lots of there was like it was stressful at some points um, it's not anymore So it's in a really
1: coming to work rather than partying and then coming here in between the yeah yeah, and the throttle open
2: yeah I mean you just go through phases where you've got a you've got a really good crew and then sometimes you get uh, you know you just get some some people in there that just kind of jack it all up but um, you know we're in a good spot right now and it's been fun I mean it's been fun for like super fun for probably like the last you know almost ten years so Mm -hmm. thirty years has flown by thirty one years actually.
0: Before I know, so Before, I know, it's, I know you probably got a couple last questions for Chris. My last one is: is you know that's why we came here. We came here for Orange, Y the beach, Sheep Hills. Yep. seems like those no sheep still still doing good and thriving. But uh, obviously, Orange, the race scene here is very yeah. very sad. And you being, you know, you just talked about it. Some of the one of the originals. How what, what what's your views on that? Uh, I mean, no? it's a bummer that Orange is
2: gone. But Orange wasn't Orange to me. It hasn't been for a really long time. I mean, mm. uh, I think they really they they screwed it up real bad when they uh when they stretched the track out the first time and then when they flipped it and they put the gate over here with the right-hander first turn they completely killed the track I mean mm-hmm. the momentum was gone track never flowed again it just felt it crappy it was fun to fly around it was man. super fun yeah yeah and, yeah and i think that's you know some tracks like that i, I, I last time I went to Kearney moto park it was still like that there are some tracks out there ascot was always like that you came out of the gate you were going as fast at the finish line as you were in the first turn and you never slowed down. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make they weren't too long. So you could you could jump something in the last straightaway. Right. Lap after lap after lap. Yeah. And as you know, now you go to the local races and you know, people practice their gate and they go to the first jump, and everyone sits down and it's just I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um so I don't really miss orange. I'm sorry, orange locals, but I don't. Um <laughs> I miss Orange from the 80s. Right, yeah, yeah. So I don't really miss that late, latest version, you know. Um, but uh, what, what
0: was the question? Just the scene, Orange, oh, the you scene. know, the race scene, SoCal, you know. Well, I'm
2: down know. in San Clemente now, and there's like five tracks within 60 or 70 miles. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's none closer, but, you know, we've got – got Bellflower. You've got um, uh, the Whittier, mm-hmm. right? That's about it. You've got Paris you've got Kearney we um, got the
0: Olympic yeah. track you've got three in San Diego Kearney you've got uh, you know, Vince does Kearney and Cactus Cactus
2: Motopark and- yeah so there's tracks around um, I mean I think BMX is you know look at Randy Lawrence we talked about him he's got his kid his daughter he's got a son and his daughter they both race BMX on that level is still you know it's awesome they,
0: yeah. were,
1: they were in Azerbaijan
0: yeah. Yeah, 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 no, oh they were yeah, Randy's yeah, all he, loves he's, it his,
1: yeah. his kid is too small his kid suffers from being quite small against the people he races against. Yeah. But the thing is, I his kid. I think yeah. his kid may end up being big time. I don't it didn't hurt we'll Donnie be. Robinson. No, no, no. I don't think he's. Didn't, kid ha- didn't hurt Eric Group either. No,
3: no. I don't
1: think
2: he'll end up in his kid won't end up in BMX. I don't think. I well, he's, don't good
0: yeah, he's good at a lot of things, isn't he? He's good at freestyle. He's one and, of those yeah, kids, yeah. yeah, yeah. That he
2: could probably do anything he wants. Um, for me personally, I mean, I like riding spots that are downhill. Right. I mean, I like going to the trails. Uh, I like rolling down a hill. I like hitting all the jumps. I like being able to push through some of them, right. get my speed, and then occasionally boost off of one. And that's kind of what I like to do. Even sheep, there's so much pedaling involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you come out of the turn. And, uh,
1: right. You still do a 360 every year? Yeah, I mean, I still do them. Yeah. yeah. How about you? No. <laughs> what was the last time you did a 360? Oh, well, I, I haven't done one I ever said. That was a couple of years. Right. I can do. It. I did one. You can't,
2: I did, let it you can't
1: let it go. Paul. You can't let it go. It's going to get out of your. It's going to get know, out of your grasp. I know. I know. And we're going to end up somewhere. and I'm going to think I can still do it. Now, I did. I did a couple that were released, and the second one, I flew off. I carved too much and flew off the edge of the resi. But yeah.
0: I've got. A, I, I was when I went home back to England at Christmas, and I was going through my VHS. I used to tape a lot of stuff in the 90s. You know, carry a camera around, and I've got. Some trails, I haven't sent it to you yet, Paul. Um the mobile trails, remember oh, that?
3: Yeah. And you're scream
0: you're that actually too. screaming at him this is 95 90, Now it's probably yeah. 96, ninety six now, you believe. Paul, you
1: do could... a three <laughs> <Yeah>. sixty. <laughs>
0: I'll
1: give
3: you new forks if right. you
0: make your forks. Right.
1: <laughs> I remember the grief. Injury was on that trip. Right, yeah. Yep. I remember that I remember that day. Yeah.
0: yeah, I
2: do too. That's funny, and you did it over the last set, and then you threw the bike there right. Yes, around. yes,
0: yes,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: pumped. And that was the days when the races and the freestyle like, every kind of like yeah. could be together during the week and then go off and do their things at the weekends. Right. But it's obviously not like that anymore, yeah, is it? You know, so getting good at uh,
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, there was there's this kid Dallas Dunn that uh, we sponsor with S and M who is an incredible street rider and park rider and dirt dirt rider. He raced this weekend. Oh, cool. He raced yeah. in like. A, the twenty-six to thirty intermediate, or whatever it is, he's got a kid right. who's like ten. He raced. Um, there's a little bit of that kind of crossover happening, but uh, I think for the most part, the, ra- the race thing is just, and it's it's a lot of work. You know, yeah, so some yeah. people are just like, man, I got to, and I got to pay money. Yeah, I got yeah. I got to pay money to go out there and puff mm-hmm. and puff around for for forty. You got to really, you got to really like it, you know. Yeah, yeah you got
1: to like it a lot more than sheep hills, which is free. Yeah. yeah. Because like, I'll come yeah. and I'll drive you to Sheep Hills as much as you want to go. It do not cost me nothing.
3: Except right. maybe
1: a Carl's Jr. on the way back. But, you know, to go to a race, entry fees, gas, like we're going to have to leave it to a whole day because your first motor is at 10 a.m. and your last race will be a billion o'clock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I know. Well, that's kind of, you know, I sort of drifted into this retro uh, <coughs> vintage motocross that I've been doing. And one of the things I like about it is the clubs are usually – they're run by guys that are, you know, everybody's an adult, and everybody has a bunch of stuff that they got to go do. So the one guy's r- r- club that I race in, his motto is, done by one. Yeah, One o'clock. Right. The races are done mm-hmm. by one o'clock every Sunday when he does them. So, yeah, you got to be there at seven, but things going to be wrapped up, and we're handing out trophies at one o'clock, and you're out of there. You had a BMX race. Yeah. You know, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. You're fried. It's 90 degrees out there. And then they're gonna get into the fifty-fifty.
3: Right. Okay, yeah, yeah.
2: everybody. We're gonna be, you know, Pat, right. we're gonna be doing the fifty fifty now. <laughs> and then they start doing a drawing, you know, a fifty-fifty drawing and pulling a ticket out, and you're like, geez. Right. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh. And this is a local race that you haven't traveled to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're not talking about somebody you've got to drive four hours after. Right. right. And
2: then and then then everybody th- says to you, you know. Oh, at the end of Saturday, like this weekend, the state races on Saturday. You coming back for the Gold Cup qualifier tomorrow? And I look at I look at <laughs> Melissa, and I look at the kids, and I go, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we can't come back for tomorrow,
0: right? You know, we gotta um, fix.
2: I,
1: I, I it, We laugh about it, but I, you know, I'm sure. Like you said, you were an entrepreneur and a little scammer, and obviously very intelligent for your age when you were a kid. I'm sure. A lot of this is a manifestation of you found something and all of a sudden it was like, all right, this is me. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's
2: probably why we're still doing what we're doing because it just comes naturally. You know, and we're talking about BMX, whether it's the equipment, race, freestyle or whatever. Like I've done a little bit of all of it. It all just comes. It just seems totally effortless to me. You know, like it's work. But it doesn't really feel it doesn't really feel like work. Now when it becomes when it feels like work is when you get outside of the bicycle part of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. When you get into some other BS like some real world, you know BS. That's when it, you kind of. But then luckily, I'm able to delegate some of that to other hire other people to handle stuff like that and let them handle it. You know, like I mean, you mentioned the accounting. Like we've got you know some great, you know people handling the accounting stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to deal with
2: that I right. can if I have to but I don't really want to you know right.
1: are you glad that none of that stuff has are you, are you glad that that hasn't ruined that inner thing that you have for BMX are you glad that, that yeah
2: I mean I think you gotta be careful I see a lot of guys in this industry you know that I've known for a long time and they, you can tell they just get they just get their butts kicked you know and it's like they're I don't know they're, like they're struggling with it you know They're they're getting you know stressed and you know and then you're like you're getting stressed because uh, you're in the BMX business and some people owe you a bunch of money well what do you think was what did you think was going to happen right, yeah. when you allowed those people to owe you a bunch of money mm-hmm. yeah. did you think they were going to just pay you mm-hmm. i mean you get everything you you ask for everything that happens to you in this business like mm-hmm. i'd assume happens in every business right. this is the one i know and when i see it like you know stressing people out i just like man you're not you're not doing open heart surgery mm-hmm. you know you're not really doing anything important you're mm-hmm. just making bike stuff and then you're selling bike stuff to people and you know hopefully you're having a good time doing it mm-hmm. and you're doing it good and people appreciate it and you're still in business or if not you just got to get out
3: mm-hmm. so
2: and that's what happens you know people come in and then they and then they <clears throat> if it's not right for you it's not a good fit you, you don't last yeah. so i don't know i love this business and i don't really see you know, people do ask about you know selling it or whatever. I don't even know. I don't know why I would do that.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. Still got to do something. And you? I don't know yeah. who would, you
2: know who would be stupid enough <laughs> to want th- to buy this. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the com-
1: it's not even a combination. I think, as with everything. You then are talking about things that don't exist, like offers that you can't refuse. Like if the guy comes in and says, "My son, I'm a multi gazillionaire, My son loves S and M. I want to buy the company. I don't want to change anything, and I want to give everybody in the building a hundred thousand dollars now. I'm going to sign the checks." Oh,
2: that's, and <laughs> that, yeah, we're taking that
3: deal.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm
1: saying. But I mean, it's, we're you know,
2: taking that deal, but ugh. that deal's not coming. Right.
1: I'm going to. I don't. I don't really have a last question. I just. Um, you know like i said at the beginning similarly on the behalf you know on behalf of myself everything that you've done for me you know there's there's so many instances like flying me across america on a day's notice because i've got an emergency you let me run M products with gt stickers on I've got <laughs> years and years and years i mean that's i'm just my experience you know is paralleled by thousands literally thousands of people everywhere else so you know I still like coming in. I like coming in once every six months and coming and wasting your time and bending your ear. About let's, yeah, let's but, keep it. Let's keep it every six months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> last, last thing for my side, uh, Chris was because uh, you're a lot of race guys. You know, people that probably don't follow you as much. Yeah, uh, are going to listen to this. Tell us a bit about the book. What's what's coming and everything and how
2: well, it. yeah. The book is uh, the book is, is almost done. I mean, it just needs a couple little design tweaks, and then the thing's off to the printer. It's got a, a bunch of stories about the early days. It's it's got a race section in it. You know, a bunch of funny stories. I mean, when it comes to S and M and the race scene, it's not really about championships right. and uh, uh, number one plates and titles. It's more about um, road trips and fun, road trips and just you know crazy shit that's happened. Whether it be the shoe incident <laughs> or uh, just play it you Yeah. <laughs> let me put my shoe back on. Uh, there's lots of, you know, those kinds of stories in there. There's uh, some big interviews with some of the, uh, you know, s ms most notorious writers, Mike Hoder, Matt Berringer, uh Dave Clymer, Josh Stricker. Those guys all have big interviews in the book. There's a uh, 4130 section, big pictorial, full page spreads of 41 of the most influential, you know, S&M writers in 30 years. Um, there's a team timeline. I mean, it's just a really good. It's just a really good read. I mean, there's a ton of there's a ton of reading in it. Believe it or not, I've been proofing it, and uh, it's it, everyone's done a good job. I mean, Scott Town, Gork, uh, John Paul Rogers, Magoo. I mean, some of the best writers in uh, BMX, or and got big pieces in there. So I'm really looking forward to it, and it's got to get done here pretty soon because now we're on 31 years.
1: So you were you were, were you 16 when you did S N M to start with Uh yeah I was so, 16 So then that means that
2: next year I was in 11th grade I was just wrapping up
0: 11th grade and I was 16
2: when we so
1: started
0: Next year SM will have been 2 thirds of your life Well wow. Hmm That's cool. Wow, well, I'm excited to see this book and uh yeah, I'm not a big book person, but I know that's one definitely just hearing that right there makes me want to uh Well,
2: you're a BMX guy and I think you'll I think you'll
0: like it. Yeah, yeah. I love the history and obviously all the... You got, just told us now some great stories. Paul, anything you want to finish with?
1: I'm just hoping I get background in one of those photographs in the book. <laughs>
0: you're on the cover, didn't you? you're on the cover. <laughs>
1: <Come Yeah>. on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... Like I said, thanks for everything. I just... I know, I know that a lot of people, especially the people in England who... You know, this this podcast, a lot of people from back in that era listen to this. So it's... Uh, I'm sure they'll be stoked to hear what's been going on.
0: Yeah, and that's what a lot of people, again, sorry for the, a lot of people posted, and again, like I did with Dylan, I I didn't pull him up, Or we just got too busy talking, we didn't get to, I like to name check a lot of people, but a lot of people said, like what Paul just said, thank you to you and everything you've done and continue to do, so. I appreciate it. Cool, thanks Paul, thanks Chris, it was an honour, thank you very much. Catch everybody later, see ya.